Hello and welcome to the BNB Show. My name is Brandon, and this guy right over here, that's Brendan Seahawks. Brendan Nelson back in the house here at the Nest. Brendan, thank you for jumping back in here late this evening. How are you doing? Doing pretty good tonight, man. I'm doing pretty good. Better than last week. It is an improvement. We definitely are in a little bit better of a mindset. We're coming just on the heels of a game of the Giants falling to the Niners here, which isn't Seahawks-related content, but certainly one that we were interested in watching with the the Giants being on deck next week. And then the Niners, boy, Brendan, they're not looking uh, any worse for the wear this year, are they? They aren't looking like yeah. they're going to. They're okay. not going to be nothing easy. They're not going to lay over. They're still within that window. They're still a legitimately that good team. We're going to have to be good to get them. We're not going to be giving it here in this division. We're going to have to go out there and take it. Um, we're going to go through and look at today, folks, this Carolina Panther game upcoming, which has become, I think, a little bit more interesting due to a recent development with the Panthers main signal caller. But before we get to that news, let's dive into a little bit of the waiver action slash players you're adding because the Seahawks are always making some moves as far as the roster goes. Uh, Brendan, what updates do we have that have come down the track here over the past couple of days? Uh, a few things. Uh, Mike Morris out for the season. Uh, first of all, the shoulder injury. I, I'd i be very interested to know how much of this was from before and how much of it happened in week one, right? Because if he was originally going to miss like a month and then we forced him out there week one when he wasn't ready and then he aggravated it to the point where he has to go out for the whole season, that's not cool. It's not okay. But no. um, this this is a shoulder injury that goes back to, I think, before the draft when he was in college. This is something he's been dealing with for a while now he's getting it taken care of. Too bad he couldn't get it taken care of earlier, but getting it taken care of now. That's the part I wonder about this too, is two two parts of this for me is why why not get it taken care of earlier, being he's such a young player and he's a fifth round pick and you're, you know, you knew maybe the returns from him were going to take a little longer down the line any anyways. But the thing I do wonder then too, also on top of that, Brendan, was how much did this maybe be a, a part of what impacted his draft stock? Is mm -hmm. this why he drafted that he he landed in the fifth round? Because, you know, had that people check that shoulder on, they're like, well, you're going to lose a season of his play, most likely. That's where it's likely to yeah. go. And teams he, are like, yeah, no. he didn't have a good combine either. I remember that. So that could have affected it as well. Yeah. Well, you have to think if that shoulder is happening, he's probably not able to lift as well. And it's, it's the whole meal deal. So we'll have to look to the future. I do think, Brendan, that deal also signals as we look now, I know this is a little off topic to a degree, but uh, this is also a signaler to me, Brendan, of, if we're looking at really now the getting closer and more focused in on the position that they're going to potentially attack via a trade to help upgrade this team as it starts to emerge through the first couple of weeks, that defensive end position in this 3-4 becomes to me much more the likely one you're looking to do rather than the zero tech or the one tech because you have Reed playing relatively well within there. You have Cam Young starting to come on now and playing. He played okay that first action, but at least he's now another body. And then you still have Brian Monet, right. who will be added into this mix at some point as well. Does it look the same way to you that it looks to me on this, that you are going to start to probably really lock into that being the position? Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of always been the case, though. I've always thought that end was more important than nose tackle, especially in the modern NFL where that kind of stuff just matters a little bit more. And I don't even, I still don't necessarily believe it has to be a trade. I think there are some free agent guys you could bring in that would help. So one way or the other, I think we got to bring in somebody. I don't think Jacob Sykes is going to cut it here. I, I don't I don't think you can just call up some guy like an emergency option. You need somebody who can actually play. Yeah. 
Agreed. And certainly we haven't gotten necessarily in a guy that I was high on and hopeful of with Miles Adams to be a guy that could come forward and become more impactful a little bit. Um, has not been able to quite get there really in this in this part through the preseason in the first couple of games. It's you haven't seen that big forward step from him as of yet. So this does, I think, really this becomes where you're going to kind of go look. And you might be right. Maybe it's on the street or or via trade. They've got some flexibility here. So uh we'll see what they do as we go forward here, Brendan. But that does seem to be um the place if you're looking for Seahawks where they're going to make that trade being that the running back help is running back is held up relatively well receivers held up relatively well you don't have any major injuries on the line or out anywhere else so this will probably be where they go to a couple of other moves we had made here Brendan on top of that right uh Tyreek Smith was released and then moved to the practice squad when nobody picked him up which I uh I was concerned he was going to get scooped I thought there was going to be some market for him but looks like it didn't happen so played pretty well in the preseason, but we just have enough going on at edge that we can afford to lose one. And we have needs at other positions like, uh, for instance, tight end, which we'll get to in just one second here. But uh, yeah, Tyreek's on the PS now. Yeah, I was a little surprised at first with that, too. It, that he didn't play the greatest this last week. So I think the right. team maybe has a little bit less confidence in his ability this year to get on the field. It's kind of a de facto rookie season for him. So maybe there's not as much confidence in wanting to lean on him this year um, as opposed to going to other other spots. Right. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brady Russell has been signed to the active roster, not the practice squad, the active roster. So... Likely related to the fact that Will Disley has now missed two straight days of practice. Brady Russell, apparently a uh, very, very good blocker as a tight end. That's my the only thing I've really been able to pick up on him. That's his thing. Obviously, he's not so good that he's on an active roster because I think he was on Philly's practice squad. But that's his calling card, and that's why he's here, and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it does. Uh, Disley's definitely, I'm glad he or Disley wasn't the knees or lower legs because I worry about those being he's got maybe some chronic stuff yeah. going on down there. But um, um, do, you, <clears throat> do you remember what knocked Disley out last year? Was it lower body or upper body? Lower body. It was those so knees. It was three lower bodies that ended his seasons. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. This is better than that, I guess. And I think last year it was more of the chronic thing. I don't think it was that he had some new tear or there was like an MCL. I think it was like they were trying to, it was, it was getting loud and bar, biting him a little bit. And it was like, well, just, we got to settle this down. They did. And I think it's a little bit of what he has to deal with. So um, the thing that Disley's giving you, Brennan, and a guy that is a little bit at times to me underrated in the Seahawks fan base because he's such a good all around player. I think he's PFF's top rated tight end or whether top rated tight ends, at least in the blocking yeah. game element. Um, and he's been really good all the way around once again for you this year. We forget about the fact he's also got a sticky pair of hands. The guy is always up there plus 90% in his catch rate, uh, even though he doesn't get targeted a lot when the ball's thrown his way, he catches it, and then still gives you some yak too. Like oh, yeah. he's usually always still going to break that first tackle and find extra yards out there uh, on top of it. So uh, it is a loss if we do lose this guy for this offense, but it's good to hear that they get a blocker in there. That is a spot that's necessary. Why they don't have Tariq kept on, why I think Brendan, they're going to go with one less edge and one more tight end. So you're probably coming to this game with four active tight ends, including Disley. They, and if Disley can't make it all the way through, you have the extra tight end to call upon. This all comes then out of, uh, not because of anything really having to relate with Tyreek, but because you want to have your tackles, having the protection of those tight ends at all times in this game for the chip game and the two tight end looks and that type of thing. So this isn't much a move as much as it's the defensive end is being affected by the tight end, which is then being affected by the tackle situation. It's kind of that's, don't you agree, informing this 
kind of from back to front a bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad the team is trying to be proactive about this. I think that's uh, definitely good to de- definitely good to see. And I'm kind of glad it wasn't Mabry that we just called up. That's usually been our de facto decision whenever a tight end gets hurt. I feel like we got to find something a little more than Tyler Mabry. Yeah. Well, especially for the blocking side, because that's what you're bringing them up to do. You're not really caring what they're going to, what they're bringing to play as far as a pass catcher here. You're bringing them up. You need to be a run blocker, pass protector. That's what we're going to be asking you to do in this game if we bring you on the field. And uh, right. yeah, I agree. You need to go. Mayberry's more of your H back, kind not H back, but he's just more of a you know kind of he pass can catcher. He, pass catcher. He does a little bit of that more than he is to me the the in line guy that you need. Agreed. So uh, th- those were pretty much the cut, the the cuts, the ads, the additions, the the pullbacks on all making a lot of sense for what they're trying to do. They want to keep those tackles protected, and Tyreek still remains, which is nice because he does have still some upside as a rusher. Uh, his story is not fully told, Brendan, um, which does bring us around now to this upcoming game here against the Carolina Panthers, and uh, I think we've got a lot on this game to to talk about. Um, did you have a chance to first off watch that Monday night game? Because that's, I guess, the first thing we want to talk about with this team is the the benefit that we get of getting them on a little bit of a shortened week as they played on Monday night. Yeah, yeah, I watched most of that game. And what were your kind of general thoughts from the Panthers team and and coming out of that? I wasn't overly impressed. I, I, I do think they deserve some credit because they've lost two of their best guys on that defense and they hung tough. They did what they could. I don't know what the Saints offense is going to be this year, though. But uh, that side of the ball, okay, they fought heroically. But um, they, they, um, the, the, the thing is, and I, you mentioned this already a couple minutes ago, what we saw on Monday is going to be so different than what we see this Sunday. Yeah. Because not only are we not getting the quarterback we thought we were going to get, the quarterback we're getting is the exact opposite of the quarterback we thought we were getting. Like, you could not have a more mismatched pair of starter to back up quarterback situation in the league. It's like, remember back in the day when Atlanta had Michael Vick and then they would bring in Matt Schaub as the backup? (laughs) Yeah. It's like that. So it's hard for me to say what from that game means anything, but I can say I don't think their rushing attack is as good as it was last year at the end of the year with Donta Foreman. They lost Foreman. They bring in Miles Sanders. Doesn't seem like he's anything terribly special. Just seems like he's a decent running back. Um, they lost their best receiver, which um, has really left them with very little to work with in that area. And the running theme from the preseason going on into this season, they don't have a good offensive line. That's uh, the bottom line. Yeah, it's it, is, it also has been shown to be very much the truth. I think to let's first unpack, as we get to offense or defense with them, let's unpack this quarterback situation because that is the important part coming into this game as it's emerged now. You go from Bryce Young, who was not having a good start to his career. He was looking every bit the green, raw rookie out there who was a little bit in over it. Now, you mentioned the line, so they, didn't, they did that thing I hate, and I talk about, and you've lamented this too, being – uh, those teams that go get those quarterbacks and don't take care of their offensive lines first and foremost, you know, that they they decide that, well, no, we'll get the quarterback, we'll get the miracle worker first, and then we'll get them some support. It doesn't really work well that way. And the Panthers are learning that this year with Bryce, who's under a lot of duress. And a, another example to me of, again, saying, I came in the draft with Bryce Young saying, yeah, the arm talent's there. He's got a innate feel. He can process really well in the football field. He can throw with anticipation. I don't think the guy's going to be able to hold up in the pro game. And uh, another guy who he's two two games into his career, he's already missing a game due to injury. 
Um, Russell went eight years before he missed a game, nine years before he missed a single game. And Russell is the guy that's drawing a lot of these teams to feel like they can take these guys because, well, if he did it, then these guys can do it. And when I go back around to draft time, I want to bring this up first and foremost, Brendan, because when I go back to draft time and, and we're hearing we got a lot of quarterbacks going to come down the track we're going to have to talk about. And people are going to get at times probably tired of me talking about, hey, this guy's really slight and he's not going to hold up. But it's because of this, because over and over again, you see these slight guys come out and they get bashed, they get broken. And it's not just about their arm talent and their ability. Matt Corral came out in his first preseason game and got a lot of people in Seahawks fandom wanted Matt Corral. Oh, Carroll loves Matt Corral. He's got that special relationship with the guy out there at Ole Miss. And Corral gets broken in his first preseason game. And a guy that I harped on saying this guy's going to get broken. He's going to get beaten down. Um, it's just a fact of life. If you're 5'10 and 180, you're probably not going to be able to sustain the punishment of NFL defenders out there on a consistent basis. Yeah, yeah, that's really the only thing missing with him, it feels like. It feels like everything else is there, right? He's got the arm, mm -hmm. the mobility, the improvisational skills, because there's it's not just enough to have mobility. You also have to have the ability to create something out of nothing. It's two different yeah. things. He has that. It seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders in terms of football IQ stuff. He's got it all. If he was six foot five, that would be a Caleb Williams level prospect, but he's not. And you're definitely seeing that. Um, that being said, one thing I want to ask you about is now that we know ever since we got the announcement earlier today, I've gotten a lot of comments along the lines of, I would have rather played Bryce Young than Andy Dalton. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of agree, but what, what do you think? Uh, where, where do you stand on that? Who would you rather play in this game? I just got done with one rant, Brendan. You want me to head down another trail here on another rant? Because uh, I'm going to try to keep my mind even keeled on this one. But um, no, you're the people who told you that I think are 100% spot on. And you and I talked about an issue last week, and this gets lost in the emotionality of this sport at times. It gets lost in the emotionality of you doing, you and I doing what we're doing as far as people finding the nuance in what we're trying to say. We've got an issue with the secondary. It's got to get corrected. Oh, so you want them fired. Not saying that, just this thing's been going on for a while now. We we kind of probably should deal with it. As some, no, you just, you're trying to get fired. You hate the team. You don't trust. Oh, you're on the, off the bandwagon. No, what we're trying to say is that there's this issue thing here that we do as analysts looking at this that should be probably addressed at some point or another because it's continually been a problem going back years. So you want to prove, we want an example. Say, Brandon, give me an example of what you mean on that. Well, Andy Dalton is now your starting quarterback this upcoming week. Andy Dalton. Uh, a marginal quarterback in this sport, a little bit slightly above average over his time in the NFL is three and one against your Seattle Seahawks. And you had the recent two times that he's played you, he's beaten you. Now, Granham last year was more about Taysom Hill. It wasn't Dalton doing it against the Saints. But if we go back to 2019 in the home opener against the Cincinnati Bengals, you have Dalton throwing for nearly 400 yards. 400 yards. That sound familiar? Does, did, does something like, I, Brendan, you know, I feel like that happened recently. We had an opener. Well over 300 yards. Did that ha did that happen? Re did am I remember? Maybe I'm misremembering it. Am I misremembering that? I mean, there's been a lot of 400 yard games going around in the last six seven years. Seems like yeah. Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, Matt Schaub, Dak Prescott. Uh, almost, uh, I think Jameis Winston got up close there. Yeah, I it, it's he's three and one against you. He slaughtered that. That was also the game where you your whole defensive strategy, we come back to, again, this, this thing that's been going on for years. What's happening is you stay to these soft zone coverages. You don't want to go up and tighten anything down. That's the main issue at hand. That's been going on for years. So what happened to him in that game was 
That was the year in 2019 that you decided to go to your base defense 75% of the time throughout the course of the year, including that first game. So right. it was Michael Kendricks trying to take on, you know, a slot wide receiver and just John Ross. John Ross and getting dusted up the whole game, you know, but that's how bad it was. And that's how simplified the scheme was to attack Brendan, where you had a Bengals offense there, which had basically nothing but uh, uh, John Ross and a couple little side parts and pieces here and there. And they were just, they, they were able to slaughter you on that day, offensively speaking. And where I bring this and try to push this forward to is that we've had this stuff happen. You mentioned 300 Colt McCoy beating you back to back years on different teams. You have a guy in Andy Dalton who's got a three and one record. He's beaten you on different teams. That's the part that I'm trying to pull from this is it isn't just about a single guy, a single team able to get your, not able to get your number. It's these quarterbacks who will play within themselves, who will not overextend themselves, who will not try to take the deep shot that's not there with the coverages, who will take the dink and the dunk, and they'll be patient all day long, and they'll just they'll just take that. They're never going to get greedy. And the machinations of the soft zone defense, the, the, the big key to this soft zone defense from Carroll's perspective on it, what he would tell you is he would say eventually – Offenses get impatient. Eventually, they're going to go and take that shot. And when they do so, we're there to strike. The problem we're seeing with the modern offenses, though, that they're not feeling the need to go take that striking point if you're going to just drop into those soft zone defenses. That's the rub. And that's what's that's why these Colt McCoys, Andy Dalton, Sam Darnold last year, that's why these quarterbacks who aren't that good find success and not just a small marginal amount of success against this defense, but a tremendous amount of success is because of the fact that they know, I know where your secondary is going to be post-snap 80, 90% of the time. And then I can take I can take advantage of that. Most most NFL quarterbacks can this day. Is that a fair take, do you think? Do you find yourself in the same place? Yeah, it's similar. It is definitely similar, although I do think there's a huge difference between Andy Dalton putting up 400 yards on us four years ago and him having like 170 yards last year in the Saints game. Like, there is a difference there. And there he's just managing the game. And Andy Dalton was pretty decent last year. I think it's understandable for him to, for you to go into New Orleans and play him and have a game like that. I wasn't that mad about that. I was mad about we couldn't stop the run in that game. That that game, to me, had very little to do with Andy Dalton. But the 2019 game, that's a completely different animal. Because the Bengals were the worst team in the league that year, by the way. They, mm -hmm. I think, went 2-14. and 14. Yeah. Well, and So, I, think, well, last... I, I just think there's a little bit of a difference there. There's also the last year, though, that Taysom Hill's taken a lot of the snaps out of his game from last year's play, too. And I'm just, he played still efficiently the snaps he got, but that's, he's not going to have those split snaps this upcoming game against Carolina. There's not going to be a, a rushing quarterback comes off the bench and takes 10 to 15 snaps. And with our offense playing as well as they did in that game in the Saints, having so many drives as they had, there wasn't like you had a lot of extra snaps for that Saints offense at that point, you know, from my perspective of it. So you're, I mean, you're right. He didn't play at that, that killer level, maybe, of the Bengal game. But then as well, some of there's there's also a little bit of like, well, what if he had played the whole game? You know, he threw for 180 with Taysom taking probably a good 15 to 20 of the snaps, 10, 15, 20 of the snaps. So if he plays all those, does he put up 250 efficiently? As as you're and that part I don't know about. The other thing with it in that game, Brendan, was there Chris Olave goes down halfway into that game. There's no Michael Thomas. There's also no slot receiver for them that they had there that was supposed to be their slot guy. I remember the guy that played for the Browns for all those years. Um, he's a, you know who it is though. I know you know yeah, who it I is. Know. Yeah. So they were down there. They were down at one point in that game, three receivers. That's part of why they went to the Taysom Hill strategy is that he didn't have guys to throw to on the outside who could win. So that, that and I say this cause I, this, I'm worried about this upcoming game. 
I'm worried Andy Dalton goes out and throws for three hundo on you because they can't run the ball as well as they could last year. They will lean into that passing attack. He will dink and dunk you. Do the Seahawks draw upon the means by which the strategy is called for to then tighten up their zones? I don't know. Yeah, and that's I mean, the part that I'm going to watch for this upcoming week. Yeah, I mean, if that happens, if that it plays out that way, we have a really big problem because the first week was supposed to be the wake up call. The first week is, and I know Stafford's actually good. Like Stafford is a much better quarterback than Dalton right now. It's not even close. But that week one is supposed to be like, okay, you messed around. You didn't do the things you were supposed to do to prepare the team. And this happened. We can't do anything about it now, but this has to be the learning moment. And if you didn't learn from it and you do it again two weeks later, then we have a big problem, like like a much bigger problem than even we had after week one. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I mean, the thing with it on that, then we come back to is it then is it that week one is just simply about them not showing up or is that week one about something maybe that was being done schematically to attack where we're vulnerable. And I think that that's the part we have to parse between there, Brendan, and, and say, well, you know, we can say if we want one's 50% this way and the other is 50% that way. And that's what makes up a hundred percent of that sort of blame game on it. To me, what I would say is that I feel like it's more of 75% to 25%. That the 25% is, yeah, you as a team didn't show up in that game, especially defensively speaking, especially in the pass coverage. But then a lot of it's also the 75% of the coverage holes that are there for you to be attacked. Because Goff did throw for 330 on us this last week. It's not like he didn't efficiently and ably drive that team again up the football field on you with a lot of ease, even though he didn't have a running attack to lean on. It's supposed to be somewhat harder on a team when they don't have a rushing attack to lean on. But the first two weeks of the season, it hasn't been. And this is where I come back to the the quarterback like a Dalton, the quarterback is a non-rookie type, the quarterback that's not going to be a gunslinger of mindset to think that they have to go take those shots are going to be the t- the quarterback's program, Brendan, to, to take this defense kind of apart. And I'm, I am very concerned about it for this upcoming matchup yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, if it happens against Andy Dalton, who probably at this point has like no arm left, like Andy Dalton never had a great arm, but he had a pretty good arm at one point, once upon a time, but he's about to turn 36. He turns 36 in October. Yeah. He might have like no arm left, no ability to push the ball down the field. If yeah. you still let him carve you up underneath, then I think it's time. I, I I'm, I'm sitting down on the panic button because not because at one and two, the season's over. Or because things can't get a little bit better, but because at that point, it's just like, I guess this coaching staff is just incapable of learning. It, it it could be, and I'm not trying to draw it to the point of, of, of asking folks to pull any panics on that or anything. I, I think, because my standpoint on this year is it's, it, we're in for a penny, we're in for a pound. It's it's a year to make our evaluations and and see where this thing goes and see if they're just going to remain in the, in the tough-minded approach mindset of this is what we do and we're going to either win with this or we're going to lose with this, but there's no adjustments to be made. And that may be the mindset of the organization coaching staff as we go through this year. We'll see how it goes. I really want to see it at a point of Witherspoon running full-time. Adams back in the mix. Julian Love out of strong safety playing now more into the slot. Kobe Bryant now out of the slot. You know, like, let's see if they're still going to run it at that point when everything's going kind of within in the ideally an idealized fashion. They thought it would be this offseason when they were putting it together. And let's see it, you know, not let's see him still running zone at that point with all these man guys. I mean, Witherspoon last week, for instance, ran a lot of man coverage in his snaps on the outside. And you'd look and on the all 22, Brendan, and you're watching him and man, and you flip over there and you're seeing um, Trey Brown flipping his hips, cover three bail technique, right? And it, and it's so it's like it was stark to go, okay, so you, you're there's you're recognizing that you are going to go man here with this guy on that side. And will you do the same once Tariq Woolen comes back? Will you, will you run that stuff over there in the same way? I hope so. But, um, 
that's where I'm going to be. Even if they don't do it this week, Brendan, I will say though, to your point on the panic button, where the panic comes into me though, is I say, okay, you have a point to get through this season. You have a point to eventually find your adjustment, but you're by staying in this realm, you're going to eventually limit yourself on your upside for this season. And maybe the upside long-term because a, a great team, a team that you can go against that has the, 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 the tools to take this apart is not going to overthink it. Coaches don't do that in this modern age. And you've got a guy over there in Brock Purdy and the Niners who are the absolute death kind of squad to be put together to go up against this kind of defense if it's going to play this way. And that's that's what has me worried about this is I want to see this team move to contender state and not be held back where we got the talent to do it, but we're never quite willing to go up over the other side of it and really, really push it. We'll see if they do. But it, I think it's the thing to monitor and track. And that's why I raise it to the forefront of our discussion on this is I think to me, it's at the forefront of my mind and looking at this season of the coverage are you going to fix this thing? It's been going back years. Dalton threw for you almost 400 yards. Shab, what did he throw for you? 450 a, a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, it was I mean, like 465 or something. 465. I mean, I know last year, Brendan, it was the running game, and that has folks thinking, well, we, we solved the passing attack last season, but to me it was just your run game is so bad and teams could attack it so easily. And then you had so many backup quarterbacks and quarterback challenge teams that wanted to lean into the running game anyway that that was more of an explanation. It didn't, the explanation was not that you had somehow altered your coverages or fixed your coverages. So um, we'll see what they do with it, Brendan. We will see what they do, but that's to me defensively before we get to talking about the matchups here, that's your, that's your key. Let, let's for instance, look at the receiving core. Let's, let's talk about this offense at Carolina. You mentioned they traded DJ Moore. They don't have the guys on the outside to take the top of the defense off. You, you, you drop into those soft zone coverages because you think eventually somebody's going to run a go route. Somebody's going to try to hit us deep. We got to keep the coverage back to protect against that. But what do we got? We got Thielen. Yeah, we got Thielen, who's not really what he used to be. He very similar career to like Doug Baldwin, I think. Very similar. Broke down quickly after having a very short burst where he was one of the best receivers in the league. And uh now he's just kind of in that final year Doug Baldwin phase of his career. Uh you've got Terrace Marshall Jr., who I actually remember I was really interested in him yeah. in the draft because he was 20 when we drafted when he was drafted. He was very raw, but there was some potential there. It just hasn't happened yet. Uh, I don't know if it's ever going to happen at this point. He's basically, I mean, he was drafted the same draft that Eskridge was and hasn't been all that much more productive than Eskridge, I don't think. So no. if we're done with Eskridge, the Carolina Panthers are probably done with Marshall. Although the fact that he was only 20 when he got drafted makes you wonder uh, they got uh, Mingo, Mingo, the old Miss guy, I think. Uh, yeah, we, I don't think we were big Jonathan. fans of him. Yeah, Jonathan Mingo. I don't think we liked him that much. Uh, DJ Chark, not what he used to be. Decent, passable, I guess. It's probably one of the worst receiver cores in the league right now, right? If you were to rank them, uh, the Titans would probably be at the bottom. There are a couple other teams you could find that are worse, but they're near the bottom of the league. Yeah, it, it's a challenged group, uh, Brendan. And the thing that I take away when I look at those receivers, that is the core. And Mingo's a possession guy. Thielen's a possession guy. Shark can give you a little bit of stuff over the top, but you know he really is still kind of what he is with that being still intermediate maybe at most. I don't think he's got the speed to get you over the top. You, If you're going to drop deep, you worry about the guys who are going to go deep. They don't have really the guys, the tools to get you that way. So it's all the more reason to me that you press down a little bit on these routes in this game because they're going to try to lean and run. In. You got Dalton's arm strength you talk about, which you're, you're going to try to protect against that. You got the offensive line, which has shown it's more of a run blocking unit than a pass protection unit. It's not good in that respect. So you're not going to want to put them on that island. 
you know, and you got the receivers on the outside that can't push you up in this up the scenes into the zones, get into you deep. And so it's like all that should come together for the coaching staff in their mind, in my opinion, to hey, let's press this down. Let's 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 get these routes pressed. Let's make Aaron, you know, if if Dalton hits us on three go routes in this game, making you know beautiful throws, you walk away from me and you go, okay, so be it. The 36-year-old came out with one magical day at the end of his career. Um, but if he's just dinking and dunking you with smart decision making on the day, I don't make that same, I don't come to that same conclusion with this no, kind of core. I even think they don't even really that great a tight end, isn't it? Just uh, isn't it Tommy Tremble? Yeah, it's Tommy Tremble. So you, you, I liked him in the draft, but he it I, hasn't worked out yet, has it? I did too. Yeah, I, I was with you. Both of these guys, you know, we we're we we're on the same page with Mingo. He had a dr- bad drop this past week on Monday night. By the way, he still looks like a guy. That every time I've watched the Panthers with him in action, both preseason now, still looks like a guy kind of trying to find his his footing, looking every bit like the raw guy he was in college. And you mentioned we look at this running core. Dante oh, oh, hold on one second. Their tight yeah. end is actually Hayden Hurst. Tommy oh, Tremble Hayden is third string. So that guy fell from grace very quickly. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, he was yeah. I, we, a guy for all those few people that love fullbacks. Here's a guy you could lo- look at and go, hey, you can play him at fullback too. Um, he had so much multi-dimensional yeah. stuff he brought, but I guess he's like he just hasn't taken hasn't taken on there with Carolina. Hurst is a functional guy. He did get it's hurt okay. in the game in Monday night. He came up at one point really kind of gimpy. So I'd, I'm guessing he's not going to be necessarily 100% coming into this week's game. Still, there's nobody there that's really challenging you. There's nobody that's a top 15, top 20 player at their position on that unit of receiving or tight end core. Um, they've got, on the, when we go to the offensive line, we got Ika Ekawanu, who's definitely taken a little bit of a step forward this year. He looks like he's getting a little bit better overall. He's th- what they're hoping to be the anchor, but more of a run blocker than a pass protector, right? Um, they didn't have a lot else, right? It's, it's kind of, it's Brady Henderson down in there. The kid out of, um, BYU, the guard. Brady He's, Henderson. Isn't that the name of Christensen? Brady Christensen. Reporter? Yeah. Christensen. Brady I'm Henderson's Brady. the Seahawks beat reporter. I'm doing my old man thing where I start mixing names up. Yeah. Uh, Bra- Brady Christensen. Yeah. He's on IR. Is he on IR? Okay. Yeah. They've got Ikwanwu Zavala. I remember we scouted him a little bit in this draft. So he's a, I think he's a UDFA rookie at starting at left guard. He's Bozeman's okay. Them. I think Bozeman's all right. He's their center. Cade Mays, I don't know who that is. And Taylor Moten at right guard, right tackle. That's what they got right now. Yeah, Cade Mays is a uh, is a journeyman. And then Zavala, 39 overall offensive grade as a guard. So Draymond Jones might be looking to hunt in this game, Brendan, with uh, with some of the yeah. scores I'm seeing off of that. Even uh, And Cade Mays, 49 grade by PFF. So the offensive line has not been well looked upon by uh, by PFF. And like you said, Taylor Morton's the guy that's out, right? That's the right tackle that's out. Uh, yeah. No, Taylor Moten's in, actually. Oh, he's in. He's back in. Okay. So well, they're going to be solid at the tackle position. I think you could say that maybe a little bit up the middle is where you have a little bit of vulnerability with this Panthers team yeah. um, as far as that offensive line goes coming into this game. But uh, Ikawanu, 69 overall grade this year. I think he's like 62 last year. So he's uh, he's coming a little bit for you – know, he's not taking some huge straight, still not dominating. He's he's a tough guy in the run game. That's the part where I worry about with him because he can he can road grade with the best of them out there. Um, but I think we're, we're – I feel better about the game stopping the run this game because last year, Brendan, that combination of Chubba Hubbard and Donta Foreman, you know, their own little thunder lightning combo that they had going against us where it's, you know, forming up the middle, banging you, and then they would go outside to Chubb on the outside runs and the pitch plays. And it yeah. gave us so many fits last year in stopping the run against the Panthers. Um, do we got that fixed now? 
Is that is that hemmed up now where we're at? Mm, so far, so good, right? You got to say it. So far, so good. Um, I, I made a video earlier today, and I know you've made some videos about how Wagner's been a big impact on this uh, run defense. Absolutely. And um, Jordan's been pretty good against the run as well. Uh, Jaron Reed, I, I know you called him out. He's doing things that no statistic is ever going to really be able to capture. Yeah. So I can't really be that worried about the run defense in this game. I'm, I'm actually looking at the numbers right now. Sam Darnold threw for 120 yards in that game, and they still basically blew us out. We couldn't stop. We couldn't stop the run. How many? How many rushing attempts did they have? It wasn't 40, like forty-six. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at it right now. Yeah. I, I, that's like something you would see in a college game where Ohio State is playing uh, a Tennessee Chattanooga. Yeah, yeah, they're just able to. We're just going to run down your throat. Like, go through eight-man boxes. We'll still blast you off the ball. You know, good luck. Yeah, yeah. So I. Uh, I'm looking at their running backs. It's Miles Sanders now instead of Foreman. Foreman, I think, went to Atlanta or something. I don't think he went to Atlanta. He Maybe went, went to Chicago. Else. Maybe in Chicago, but yeah. Atlanta stock. They got their three. Yeah, they still got Hubbard. They still got uh, Chuba Hubbard. And uh, that's really about it. It's basically just those two guys. Raheem Blackshear is their third guy listed here. And uh, there's not much to report there. He hasn't touched the ball yet this season. But um, it's... Like, Miles Sanders, pretty good player, but seems like he was kind of a product of that Philadelphia offensive line that just makes it way too easy to run the ball. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's anything truly special there. So far this year, he's been quiet, hasn't really done a thing. And um, I, I'm much happier about having to play Miles Sanders than I was last year playing Foreman. I'll say that. Uh, agreed. I, that's a big, big part for me of an improvement in this game because – uh, Foreman is such a, a tough runner to bring down, and it seems like at times in the Seahawks defense, those those bigger, tougher runners can be the ones that give them harder times where they challenge their tackling, really. Um, and that you lose that Foreman hammer up the middle. And and if you had given a guy like, especially a Frank Reich coach who comes in there and takes over for Steve Wilkes last year, Reich being a guy, if you look and follow his pedigree from the Colts as a head coach, he's the guy that, you know, let's take Jonathan Taylor, let's hit those A and B gap runs all game long. He's less enthralled with having to work the perimeter game in the run game, which is just another thing that works in Seahawks favor here where they don't really have the Foreman hammer to make that work. They don't have the Jonathan Taylor hammer. Miles Sanders is more closer to Chubb Hubbard than he is to Donta Foreman as a, as a player type, I would argue. And so you, you can kind of maybe kind of narrow in on that a little bit easier now where that, that running game is not in the same place it was last year. Um, but we'll see. I mean, that's going to be the big key here, too, is I think. Yeah, there there was a point in that game last year where Carolina ran the same exact run play like six times in a row and they got like 10 plus yards every time they figured out we couldn't stop it. And they just yeah. kept running. That's not going to happen in this game. I don't think like that would uh, things have changed a little bit since then. I would hope so. I would hope that they look back at last year's tape, even on top of the changing of the personnel, Brennan, and and change. So, okay, well, what we did on that strategy last year wasn't working. So we've got to adjust off of that. Uh, bear fronts. This is the week mm. we get more bear fronts than four man fronts, maybe. Um, mm. I mean, I know I'm a big dreamer, Brendan. I know. Okay, I get it. I, you know, sometimes I got my head in the clouds. What do you want, man? You know what? <laughs> I mean, do, do we have enough defensive linemen to pull that off with Morris out? Because you're down to what? Jones, Reed, Miles Adams. Um, you've got still no Monet. So it's going to be um, Cameron Young and 
who else? Like, probably like, not then. Probably not at that point. I mean, you're this is... calling up. Uh, you're calling up um, practice squad guy, the uh, guy who played pretty good in the preseason. Well, Sykes. Uh, yes, yeah, Sy- Jacob Sykes. Yeah, Sykes, is, Sykes would be your guy. So, oh, I... Mario Edwards. I'm, my bad, Mario Edwards. You have Mario in there, but still, you're you are light with it. That's still not a lot of body, especially defensive end. You could, you could get those guys, you know, tapping out quick there if you tried to run that many snaps. But a little bit of more mixed in this week, more than we have the first two weeks of the season. You saw a bit more of it last week against Detroit than you saw in the first week against uh, the the Rams. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more here. Like, let's force them to stop that run. Let's show them you don't get a chance to stop the run here today. You're, you're going to have to do this and make your hay and throw in the ball. Andy Dalton's going to beat us with his arm at 36 years old. Like, that's that's what my start of my strategy coming to this game defensively and then taking the short routes away as the secondary kind of point to this a bit, but um, we're, we're, we're well, better suited in this game to stop this run up. Hubbard is still legitimately good. He's having a good year for them in the carries they give him. He's, he's getting to the outside. He's a fa- he's legitimately a fastback. He's not a back who gives you a lot of different things, but he's got good enough hands and he's really fast and really quick. And so you, you've got to get your, your hands, you know, hands around him and get him contained. It's not gonna break a lot of tackles, but he showed last year is he can get out in the open and, and get out in space and be, you know, eating up a lot of yards really quick with his kind of running style. It's very unusual back, but um, he does have that one little skill set he can go to, Brendan. He's kind of like the Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert kind of backs, you know, where it's like they don't have a lot they bring, but what that thing they bring is very effective. Yeah, I tend to like those guys. I tend to always seek those guys out in the draft and stuff. Yeah, you can find a role for him in your offense. You can find certain carries within your offense for that guy. And uh, that's just like what Carolina's done, which you at least last year, that's what they're doing. And they had that game, the perfect combination between Foreman and Chubba with Seattle, where right as Seattle's locking in on, on getting them compact and they go outside, it, it was a real you know, back and forth game on the defense with that, with trying to stop the run. I think that's part of why they weren't able to stop it is they, they just caught him leaning one way and then hit him the other way and then lean this way and then hit that way. And uh, Foreman was tough, man. He was hard to bring down last year. Man, yeah, ran, yeah. ran like his life was on the line with every carry. Yeah. Um, Megan, thank you for becoming a member of the YouTube channel. I'm sure you've been a member before, so I'm sure it just probably re-upped you or had, did something with that. So thank you for becoming a member. I really do appreciate it. Addison Shelbles, uh, thank you for the $2 donation. He says, so much for the division. San Francisco looks amazing. Can't deny it. Um it's an impressive win there against the Giants in this yeah. game. Was it just me though, or, or is Purdy just asking for that six interception game? Oh, I know. How many hand, how many times did like he's got a leprechaun up his butt, in my opinion, when I'm watching the thing? I mean, how many times did the Giants defenders have their hands on a ball and it's just like <sighs> it's like just catch it. Yeah. You know, he's it's and 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 then you're it just I'm it's the thing that's like singularly driving me crazy about watching the Niners and Purdy right now is I'm just I'm like yelling at the defensive coordinators, you know, just press the routes up, make him beat you throwing the ball deep. Make it and I know he had the back shoulder throw to Debo at the end of the game, and there's a couple of throws, but but overall in that game, when you had him in a position of forcing you to make those throws, that's when you got your hands on those balls. That's where you were in a position to make an interception. And uh, it, it's going to be so much of our concentration. We're talking about this with Dalton now, Brendan, but this is a big part of what our concentration is going to be out when we talk about the Niner matchup way down the line and preview that if Birdie's still playing. Um, I will say this. He's got that weird thing where he's small and undersized. And when the blind side, not the blind side, but the front side blitz, the same play that got him injured last year with Hassan Reddick, he's got that weird, like his stature puts him at j- in his throwing motion for a re-injury of that arm. Did you see a couple of those times where he was dropping back in this game and it's and and the yeah. there's like that hit is I coming. Do notice that, yeah. It's coming right back again. And I'm like, 
geez, you guys, that's, I mean, it looks kind of scary in those moments, but, um, giants today, Addison, I'm watching the game. I'm watching for them to press up and they don't press up. You're watching Kittle run that out route all the game long comes off the line three yards and then runs the out route four yards and then runs 20 yard yak up the field. And you're going wink Martindale. You're supposed to be the most blitz heavy guy in the world. You, you, you got the quarterback that's ideal for a blitz heavy defensive coordinator, send the house, send everybody go after it. And then you drop into soft zones all day. Like they're showing the all 22 and he's got his guys running cover two and his corners off coverage, dropping to depth. And, and then Niners just picking him apart. Like we've seen with our, and you just, I don't get it. And maybe it's just that you're so scared about their playmakers and Debo being so hard to tackle. You want to have plenty of guys in the back end to bring that guy down. But there has to come a part, point where you go, we, we can't just get kind of slowly bled to death over the course of a game. Right, Brendan. But no, no team seems willing to run that kind of strat against yeah. San Fran that I've watched with Purdy being there. Yeah. What do you, I mean, what do you I think wonder, of it? You like, think Philly would have whipped it out last year if Purdy didn't get immediately hurt? Yeah, I think that's part of how they got him hurt was bringing that pressure, being willing to bring the bring the juice. You know, with, with Fangio in the house there with Gannon, he would have been willing to, over the course of that game, dial it up, I think. And you saw that today. The Giants, when they had success in this game, was when they were bringing the blitzes up there. It wasn't like the blitzes got exposed throughout this course game when they did it. They just didn't do it as often as I think they normally do. And yeah, it's a part I, I, got, I don't I got get. no answers. That didn't make any sense to me either. Like, the Giants, like, you wouldn't think you have much to lose. You're 10-point underdogs. You're on the road. Right. I, I, I didn't understand that. Right. And to your point on that, even once they got down the game, where you're still in that underdog, you're on the road, you're down by nine points or whatever, they didn't put much more up in the pressure-based side of things. They still kind of stayed back in and were just kind of hanging back. It was only up until the part at the end, unlike that play with Debo, the the, the cornerback Jackson, he got beat because he's finally playing the short route with Debo. And it's like, well, now you do it, you know, now when you're already down by 10 points, you decide to then like draw the coverage up and then the coverage gets beat deep. But yeah, the game was over. The game's over. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's too little too late. I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if there's some team and I think they play the Cowboys next. I don't think Quinn's just going to sit back there. I know they lost Trayvon Diggs today, but I don't think he's just going to sit back there and go, you know, let me, let me just let them dink me and dunk me to death. That'll be a fun game to watch though, to see how Dan from, from a strategy X's and O's standpoint decides to attack that San Francisco offense. Uh, and if he does, you know, kind of lean into this direction that I'm advocating for, or if he finds success in drifting to the soft zones and they just find a way to get pressure with front form, Micah Parsons and, and uh, that'll get it done for him. I don't, it confounds the hell out of me, bro. Brandon, I watch it week after week with Purdy and I'm just like, who's no one's going to make this kid throw the ball up the football field. Like nobody. It's wild. I, I don't understand it either, but I got to believe at some point it's going to happen. And when somebody does it, everyone else is going to realize it. It's like, uh, that's what I think. It's like when a couple of defenses finally figured out how to stop Tim Tebow. Yep. Or Kaepernick, you know, once the Kaepernick model got yeah. kind of fully put into place and teams are like, Oh, okay. He's not going to go through extra progressions, you know? Okay. We'll just, you know, mush, mush yeah. rush the pocket you know? against Tim Tebow. Just rush three. Just that's right. Rush three, every play rush three. He won't get 10 yards the whole game. It's that's that right. easy. Yeah, and then uh, what's his name? Dick LeBeau loses his mind in that playoff game and decides I'm going to send the house at him every play. Yeah, and you get you get one of the coolest moments in NFL history. But I mean, what that? What was that? <laughs> uh, it's the, that that's the epitome of a coach of I'm going to be I'm a legendary coach. I win how I win. I win this way. I don't and I don't know any other way. This is the way I'm going to win. Well, wait, coach, so you're playing against this player that you should tell you to go play this complete other opposite way in this game because he's 
He sucks. He literally sucks. If you go play this other way. No, I play who I am. I'm, I'm my identity. I don't leave my identity. I don't leave my philosophy. We are who we are. You know, it's that whole thing. And that you get too hard lined in your approach and it just gets you lost where it's just, all you gotta do is pivot a little bit here. Just, just a little pivot and you might, you'll have a lot of success, but yeah, one of the few boneheaded uh, defensive coaching mistakes in LeBeau's career, mm-hmm. the guy that, you know, that came up with his own blitz. I think he's one of the pre- main instigators of the zone blitz out of Blitzburg and all that, and going the hall of fame, both as a player and a coach, but right. not one of his best moments. He even shows you even those hall of famers, even those hall of fame coaches can get a little stuck in their ways. Right. Uh, thank you, Addison. Uh, Jesse Lund, thank you for the $5 donation. He says, have you seen the season of boom yet? Wilson looks jacked and makes me think him spending millions on his body might be a bit misleading. Uh, I have not seen it yet. I'm assuming this is back before he signed the big contract, though. Like This would be when he was on the rookie deal. Yeah, it's the season. Of, it's the Super Bowl season that they're essentially going back because it's like the 10 year anniversary. So they're going back right. and doing like a documentary style on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a interesting thought, I guess. Um, my thinking with the Jesse is that, uh, Wilson at that time was, you know, he's probably every bit as strong as he was at that time. I think he looks more jacked cause he's thinner. You know, if you, if you have a guy that's lifting a lot of weights and he gets, he's real thin and cut, he's going to look even more kind of ripped. And that was kind of Wilson's build at the time a little bit. I think with, with the, the five to 10 year period, he gained extra weight. This is why he slimmed back down this off season, for instance. And it was reported a lot is he gained the extra weight. I don't think he gained the extra weight just cause he liked grandma's Mac and cheese. I think he did because he was looking to get the 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 cushion for the pushing. Um, and what I mean by that is that he was trying to get to a place where he could handle a defensive tackle landing on his body and his his body was thick enough in order to sustain that, sustain some of those hits, um, which is not unusual. Running backs do the same kind of thing. A running back starts in the league at a certain weight. They'll gain 10 to 15 pounds over their career. They'll get to 29, 30. They drop that 15 pounds. Oh, I got my quickness back. You'll see all these stories. He's got his quickness back. He dropped the 15 pounds. It's like, well, why'd you drop the 15 pounds? Well, because I wanted the protection. Well, now I don't have the protection. But that's why I think he looks that way to you, Jesse, is he was just in a yeah. thinner place at that point. Yeah, Zeke Elliott needs to drop like 50 pounds. Maybe he can get that <laughs> quickness back. <laughs> I don't I don't know. He might have to go harder than that. He's he's yeah, he's he's he didn't get any carries in New England either. So it's uh yeah, I think he's going... averaging like a yard and a half a carry or something. It's bad. It's pretty Bill's, bad. Bill's got him down in the dungeon just doing on the treadmill 24-7. Yeah, it's it's uh, not good. We're not gonna be the ball in shape. You don't get a I do think that veterans showing up to the start of the season out of shape is definitely a thing, though. I think that a lot of guys show up overweight and not in shape, and then they work themselves into it over the season. I think that's a pretty common thing. Wilson also, I think part of it, didn't want to do it this year because he knew that, uh, you know, this season is kind of for the rest of my career. Like, this could be it for me if I don't play well. And Mm -hmm. Sean Payton's not going to deal with tolerate stuff the way some of my other coaches might have, right? Like... We're Agreed. seeing that now. We're already seeing that now. Like Sean Payton comes from the Bill Parcells tree. He's gonna he's gonna call you out. He's gonna be mean to you. He's gonna embarrass <sighs> you in public if he feels like that's what you need to motivate you. He's not yeah. gonna. He's not a. He's not a Nathaniel Hackett about this. Yeah, I I agree. Um, he's and we knew this about him coming in there. He's not going to coddle Russ. Maybe Russ needed somebody to coddle. Maybe not. But that was not going to be what you're going to get with Sean Payton. He was going to come in and give you a lot of tough love. And he has shown right out the gate that he is definitely willing to do that. You know, with Wilson already here. Um, it, interesting to me, just and hilarious that you still can't get Wilson to wear the wear the play call on the arm like that again comes up again this year. Uh, is to me just lunacy. 
And I think that there's something in like for folks thinking about it, just don't gloss over that little fact of what Peyton told you this year. So you got Carol last year who says it's really nice to have Geno Smith here because he's willing to wear the armband, right? And then last year, Wilson doesn't wear the armband all the way through. Finally, that that then Carol soundbite gets out into the ether. Wilson wears, starts to wear the, the armband. They stop having as many of the delay of penalties. They start to look better offensively. They get out of the huddle faster. Comes back now to Peyton this year. Wilson decides, hey, I'm going to get away with not wearing the armband now again. And now we get into week two. Sean Payton mentioning the fact that we got to get the armband back on. Yeah, and, and Sean Payton knows what he's doing when he talks about that. He knows yeah. that this is a source of embarrassment for Wilson, right? He, he knows what he's doing when he says that, but yeah. he does it anyway. Like, like that's definitely got to be a shot across the bow. Well, and, and to the thing, my standpoint, I was like, as Wilson, why would you not have come into this year or make that realization that I should wear the damn armband? Like, and what prevents you from doing it? Because there's, there's nothing you, Wilson can say on it that it, it helps him out. The very, the, the, the very understanding of why you have the armband and what it does and why it creates a better speed of the offense is, I have a play call that is longer than a verse in the Bible, okay? If I got to say that twice and it takes me cumulative 20 seconds versus 10 seconds to say that, I'm losing 10 seconds off the play clock. And sometimes I got the time to do that. Sometimes I don't, depending on how fast that play call gets in from the coaches on the sideline. And so I, it just, to me, if the coach can go three, you go to your armband, you go 20 white, two dicks in it. You say it once you're out of the play, but that, that they're back having to recover this ground again. It, it, it's it, it's going to be a long year for Denver and, and Russ. Yeah. I, I hope it works out better for him. I hope he finds his footing there this year. I hope they find success this year. I really do. Cause he's had a rough year and it's been, it's yeah. been very tough on him. It really has, but you know, you, you got, wear the armband, man. Just, yeah. just wear the armband. It's for your benefit. Yeah. Right. yeah, I don't think we're too far away from Stidham territory. I know Wilson's technically playing decently, but I, I think Peyton might be like, I, I don't want somebody who's playing good. I want somebody who's playing the way I want them to play. That sounds like something Sean Peyton would do. The fact that his sound bites are coming out like this in week two, and he's got the stop being a politician, stop kissing baby soundbite, and then talking about the armband. He's laying groundwork to do just that. And I long suspected when they signed Jared Stidham that he was going to be itchy to potentially go that route if he didn't think Wilson was going to execute his offense exactly as he wanted it executed. Okay. And I, Wilson looked better last week, and he did put up a lot of points, and that game was on the defense. It wasn't really on the offense um, for for why they didn't get things going. So, you know, we'll see uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to be something to monitor there, but um, I think their sense of urgency is definitely there with Russ this year. That's why he got back to that okay. that thin, thin lean, lean and mean. Appreciate you, Jesse. Uh, thank you. Appreciate the comment too, man. Uh, David Pugh, thank you for the $5 donation. Uh, it wasn't about the starting linemen we lost. It was about the backups we played along the way. Shout out to Waldron for that. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and by the way, the way things are going this week, we might have a whole offensive line of backups. It's not good on this practice squad. So I'm glad yeah. we were able to come up with a game plan that could work with those guys. So... Hey, I, I mean, I've seen other teams do it, and I kind of thought to myself this week, why am I so convinced that this team can't do it? Why am I so convinced that my team can't do it? And then they went out there and did it. So it was it was great. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was a it, it was 
as good a work as Waldron's done in a game to come up with not only that game plan, but to call the game that he called, which was um, hard to get a read on where they're going, hard to get a read on which, this side of the field, that side of the field, short, deep. They were attacking in all kind of different manner and fashion, and and that was hard for them to get a read on. They weren't doing the same kind of production, the same kind of protections and the same kind of chips playing and play out so that the edge guys knew who was getting help and who wasn't. They, they kept flipping all of that up. Um, there was a lot of little details within them getting the success of this last week in their game plan from Waldron and setting those players up. And the players did their job too. Don't get me wrong. Stone, I mean, hell, where, where did that game come from with Stone Forsyth yeah. off the edge? Yeah. I mean, he was tremendous. And Curran was very close to him in his level of play. So that you got to give them credit with it too. But but Waldron, as an offensive coordinator, you came into this game with one arm tied behind your back, three toes tied together. And you still found a way to be not just proficient and put a few points up, but to actually go throw a 37 up on the board, including the game-winning touchdown drive. And uh, Gino yeah. gets his credit here too. But Waldron, is there's a reason his star is on the rise, and this might be our last year of Waldron here uh, if he continues to have games that he calls like that because somebody's going to probably pluck him up to be in that, uh, a head coaching option very, very soon. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to look at it at the end of the season and see how many head coaching vacancies there are because uh, there there are going to be a few guys like Ben Johnson. He's almost definitely going to get a head coaching job. I imagine Dan Quinn will if he wants it. And then after that, it's like, who else? Some guy, A bunch of guys on the Niners coaching staff probably, and then you're getting to Waldron. I think I agree. That's that's where I'm thinking with it too. It's just it's not the deepest of coaching you know, trees that to go call upon if you're looking for a new coach or an old coach or you're looking, it's, it's, it's kind of limited. So uh, I think that could end up finding him, especially if he comes out and puts in an offensive unit that comes out again and gives you, you know, top, top five level of play this year, um, which is what they're definitely capable of doing. So um, yeah, shout out to Waldron, David. Well said, great game by, by Waldron. He had that Waldron cauldron burning hot hot this past week and uh we're gonna need that again this week and he might have to give you doubly more creative as brendan just said with the uh the light bodies that we could be looking at in this offensive line going to this season we might get a little bit of uh bradford bradford will make it fun at least you know he might not get his block but he'll make it fun yeah i, so, I mean i'm i'm definitely intrigued by him yeah he's he's definitely a that, that guy's got some legit power brendan he's impressive in that oh, yeah. he's just the technique but the power and power and athleticism is certainly there uh, thank you, though, David, for that donation, man. Uh, Primo with a fiver. Thank you, Primo. Says zero questions, zero comments, just for the love of the game. Wow, that's very kind of you to say, Primo. I love thank it. Thank you, Primo. Well put, brother. And uh, for the love of the game is a great, great way to put it. Awesome way to put it. Um, another dono here. Thank you for that, man. Feed me more Seahawks with a $5 donation. It says, worst part about this season's schedule is back-to-back -back Thursday night games against the Niners and Cowboys. Yeah. It ain't easy. <laughs> that's that's the part of the schedule. When me and Brendan looked at it at first, you know, and we, we did the unveiling on live. I think both of us did the <sighs> Niners, Cowboys, Eagles, four-game stretch. This is, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why you got to bank these wins now. You got to get these wins now against teams that are, by the way, pretty. Uh, maybe, maybe you could even call it crippled, right? Because you're, you're really I mean, vulnerable. this Panthers team, it, they've got some serious injuries on that defense. And now, actually, offense, I guess. Uh, Bengals, Giants, Cardinals, these are all teams that are missing some uh, Browns now. Like, you got to bank these wins. You got to take advantage of this stuff. 
Yeah, if we're going to make hay to get in this playoffs, if we have any hope of trying to take this division or really be a, 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 a true contender with the Niners in this division, as Brendan says, now is when you got to stack up the wins. You can come out the end of this. You can go through the bye at two and two, and we can kind of find our way and skirt along and kind of locate our way and eventually become a good team to get in the playoffs. But that team is probably more likely to fall along in lines of recent teams in recent history of being more in kind of that one and done phase. If you want to go out there and get legitimate, you got to put these wins together. Niners are going to be tough as hell this year throughout, unless they have some injuries hit, which they don't currently have. So the uh, you know the onus is on us to to step forward and take it. As Brent said, man, they're you're right. I, I mean, Carolina offense, defensive, there's some ailings. Giants tonight, they had a couple defensive linemen go down. They played, I mean, they must have played their defense this week, 70-some snaps. Yeah, they're they're going to have a couple extra days to rest, but that's still going to be a pretty tired tired crew coming uh, going out into New York yeah. next week. Yeah. Did you hear Saquon trying to act like he's actually going to play next week when he admitted it's a high ankle sprain? Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah, it's a high ankle sprain. Normally humans would be out two months, but I think I'm going to be back in two weeks. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm i with you on that. I've, I've seen too many guys. I saw Wilson try to go out there with a high ankle sprain. I mean, if there's any guy out there, remember that whole thing with him was he was getting 24-hour treatment where he's, <laughs> he's waking up every two hours at night and having – I don't know what you do every two hours to the leg at that point to get it better, but it's yeah. it's an injury that it used to be known as a broken leg. That's used to be what a high ankle sprain was known as. And yeah. it's it's now called a high ankle sprain. So we'll see. He ain't gonna be at 100 percent if he does. Uh, yeah, he may he may be out, but he ain't gonna be moving like peak, peak uh Barkley. And even yeah, if he was, I I still think that that off that that Giants team is not the same team they were being hyped up this offseason to be. Right. And Daniel Jones was not a $45 million quarterback tonight against that Niner team. You talk about a guy that to me plays scared in the position, just can play unwilling at all to push the ball up the football field. You know, and not from a here's what the defense is giving me, but just from a you can feel it in him, just kind of a fear. Doesn't trust his accuracy down throwing deep. Yeah, I, I can't figure it out. I want him to be good because I like him. He seems like a cool dude. Seems like somebody who's easy to root for. I, I want him to be good, but he he's uh has moments of being good, and then he has moments like that. Yeah, he started out in this game with the that first drive where they were running. He was he was being decisive and he was making some smart decisions and and go. But then he started to just get into just you could see a little bit of the fear based kind of creep in there a little bit. Maybe it's just the Niner defense is good. It's going to do that to a lot of quarterbacks. But you know when you're paying a guy forty five, this thing I always harp on. If you're going to ask that big money, you got to at times carry the team through at moments. You can't ask everybody else to raise you up. You at that point are saying, hey, I can do this. I'm I can be that guy and. Uh, I didn't see it from today. You know, even that there was that Darren Waller throw at the end where they need the drive and throws it up to Darren Waller and Waller's open and he's got it, throws it three feet up over the top of his head, basically. And you're going, bro, throw it to him, you know, put the ball yeah. in there in the right spot, you know, yeah. but uh, also no Andrew Thomas, by the way, we don't know if he'll be back next week. That's a big deal. That is a huge deal if he's not back as well. So let's, let's just go get through these wins. Let's go run off six, seven of them, you know, let the Niners know we're right on the back of their heels here as they go through. If they miss an inch, if they hold, if they, if they, if they stumble a little bit, we're right there to jump on top of them. I'd love to see it. I know I'm dreaming big on this, Brendan, especially after that week one loss, it's tough to see necessarily, but I'm hoping we can find our footing with it. And like you say, the stage is set with the way injuries Browns, no Nick Chubb. That's a remarkably different Brown team with no Nick Chubb, especially Deshaun Watson, not looking like, you know, he's backed anywhere near close Watson with the uh, the Texans Watson. They're not getting that version right now as it currently sits. Right. But, uh, feed me more Seahawks. Thank you for that donation. Stat that I saw here, Brendan, that I think is one that really encapsulates this Dalton situation before we flip over to the offense. And that is uh, two of 20. You know the stat? 
Two of 20. Um, I'm not sure. Go ahead. Hit me with it. The Seattle Seahawks have gotten a punt this season on two of 20 drives. That's not three and out. That ain't, you got a three and out in two of 20 drives. That is, you've caused the, your opposition to have to punt on two of 20 drives. Yeah, and um, I, I, uh, I think that sums it up pretty dang good. I think that's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, obviously there are some reasons why, like the Lions kept going for it on fourth down. You're not going to punt when you go for it on fourth down. There, have been, there were a couple turnovers, but still, I, I mean, I, I, the, the, the thing is, Stafford can push it down the field. Goff can push it down the field somewhat, especially in a dome. Yeah, Andy Dalton should not be able to push it down the field. So if you can't come up with something against Andy Dalton, then the problem goes beyond just the opponent. Like it has nothing to do with the opponent; it has everything to do with you. Agreed. And I just, I, to me, it's the the key is here: stop that. If you come in, you know what you need to stop. You know, in this game coming, here's our tracker. We're going to this game. Here's our tracker with a guy like Dalton who's gone three and one against us. To me, it should it should all set itself up. They don't have the receivers on the outside to press. They got a pass protection uh, deficient offensive line. All of it lines up. So let's press this stuff down just a little bit more this week. Let's take these routes away. Let's force Dalton to push the ball. Let's force that offensive line to pass protect. Let's force those slower receivers that aren't the most dynamic. Even a guy in Terrace Marshall, like you said, that we both liked, wasn't the most fastest of guys or explosive of guys. More of a big body possession receiver. That's what they've kind of got all the way along the line. Mingo was a big slot coming out. So right. it's, I mean, that's how they're all built. Feeling you don't have the guy that's going to take the top of this defense off. And so you don't have to have that fear built in. Even the Rams going to week one. I mean, at least you had with Atwell, you go, well, that's a four, three guy out on the outside. we got to be a little bit aware of him getting deep on us and, and, and indeed taking that top off. So um, that's the key here defensively for me coming to this game. I, there isn't always a, a lot of times it gets simplified. Stopping the run up the A gaps to me is going to be big too because Reich loves to hammer those inside runs. I just don't think they're going to be as much leaning into it like they were last year with getting to the outside, nor do they have not Foreman to get it done. So take those runs away, close up the routes defensively, get off the football field. Um, I mean, it's it's this is this is basic defensive football, right, Brendan? But I mean, this is the way this defense needs to go out and win right now as it's built, right? Is that yeah. fair? Or word? Where yeah, you're and, that? and you can't even say you need to sit in zone because Bryce Young's going to take off and scramble for twenty yards if you're playing man, right? You're playing right. Dalton; he's not taking off and running for twenty yards. Uh, you'd have to have like six defenders on the field for him to be able to get twenty yards down the field. So, that's right. I, I, you know, going into this game, that's kind of what I was thinking. It's like, yeah, Bryce Young poses a different challenge. You might have to sit in zone so you can spy him a little bit, but against Andy Dalton, so we don't even have that. You you can't even say that. So, um, this is going to be a big litmus test just for basic competency. I think. Agreed. Agreed. This isn't the greatest of challenges. You're going to back up in a, a 36 year old backup at that point. This is something that you should be able to to find some some ways to go after this offense. So um, maybe aggressiveness. Uh, certainly the pass rushers, Brendan, to your point on that too, with that, you might, if you had Bryce Young in there, run more of a mush rush. Now you get at least just when you want to get the pass rush situations, pin years back and you don't have the most mobile guys back there. Dalton beats you with his legs. You go, okay, so be it. It's kind of like if Dalton beats me on throwing deep and hits me over the top on the day by hitting a bunch of precise routes deep down the football field. I go, okay, so be it. I lost that, that. At least that's a different way of losing than we could, we've lost in recent years over and over at that. And he made some tough throws in the moment. You know, guys are going to beat you sometimes on that, but at least we've sort of taken it to them then at that point and tried to be aggressive in our approach. 
which um, could be a pathway to helping out this secondary just a little bit. Um, let's slide on over to the offensive side of the ball here and take a look over on this side of it. Uh, the Seahawks last week, of course, coming off a tremendous week with, with Geno Smith and rolling what they're doing. Uh, DK is going pretty good here last week. Uh, he's got the rib injury coming in this week. Um, he's going to be uh, obviously trying to kind of, you know, he, I'm sure he'll play and, and, and do good, but certainly you, you wouldn't think you got him at 100%. Tyler, back rolling good uh, uh, yeah. and on that. Um, JSN, he put five catches up. He's got still some of the fan base. You know, the, I'm sure, I don't know if you're getting some of it from your subs and your uh, commenters, but definitely get some people a little uneasy that we haven't seen the production from him yet. Um, uh, only thing I've seen there is people unhappy with how we're using him because we're having him run around around the line of scrimmage. We're having him catch screen passes, which we can't run for reasons that have nothing to do with him. I'm not seeing any real criticism of JSN as a player yet. No, not that. No, not that. Not on the criticism, but they're just wanting more of him featured oh, as a role yeah. in this offense. And yeah. I, my thinking on this is um, he's going to be featured in as we go through this season more and more. I think last week you had the two and three tight end sets at times, which we're going to take him off the field for – a, a lot of it. I think um, Jake Bobo, for instance, coming out, man, the run blocker that he's become is sometimes might be kind of eaten in at times, especially if it's a run potential run play in there with him coming out there because he's been so dynamic in that area. I've got a video I'm working on that's like, Brendan, it's, there's, a, there's a snap from last week's game that's straight out of like the Brandon Browner Cardinal punt return play where he's murking three guys on one play. And Bobo's got to play like that in this past game where he's just like just – everything in his path he's taking out like three guys in one play it's it's he's, he's got like probably 25 pounds on almost any defensive back he runs into right oh and and, and he's i mean he's just like the, the play he starts post snap motion he goes over and disley's blocking his guy and he he rib shots the hell out of the defensive end disley's blocking the guy drops i mean just drops the guy to the ground Disley's just looking at it like whoa dude like chill bro mm -hmm. bobo goes right then after jack campbell so he, he scrapes, scrapes down to Jack Campbell at the second level, takes on Jack Campbell heads up until Parkinson arrives. Parkinson hands him off to Parkinson, then goes down to look for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson the second level. Johnson's given up on the play, right? It's so long. <laughs> this is the Charbonnet run, that run that yeah. just kept going on. So Johnson's just like, I'm chilling, dude. Bobo's coming at him, and he's like, okay. And he kind of, and then Charbonnet keeps going. So then Johnson's like, oh, the play's still live. I got to still go. And Bobo like blocks him a second time on the play. Bobo's so amped up that Charbonnet gets tackled and Bobo's up. He almost takes on Jake Curhan. Like he starts to go into like, he's going to block Jake Curhan, who's, who's rallying up on the play. Then when he realizes that's a friendly, he spins back around to go then take Sutton for a ride after. I mean, just complete maniac on the play, but I went on a tangent. I, I, I'm looking forward to showing the video. It's hilarious though. It's just, he just goes, goes complete ham on this play as a blocker. Um, but yeah, look, the one thing that stood out to me that was a crazy stat that I think is going to give a lot of people some encouragement here as I bring it up, Brendan, um, that was that was just kind of released out that I think this will make people really happy in regards to Jackson Smith and he will find a use and the using him around the line of scrimmage thing makes sense that draws coverages in a way to help other guys out. Um, but Jackson Smith is currently averaging 4.6 yards of separation every route he's run so far this season. Is that real? I saw that, but it was from a Twitter account I don't trust. So I was okay. like, that can't be real. That sounds like, like if, if that's the case, you got to throw it to him every time. I saw that. I was like, that is, that's got to be historic. Well, I will say this. Um, it matches up the tape. I, because I, at the same time, I was also, I'm also working on a video for Jackson Smith for the first two games. So I'm, I'm looking at the all 22 full eye in the sky shot where you can see them running the routes. 
he's creating separation in the routes to my eyes as well. I don't know if the 4.6, but if we're talking about that matching up to my eye test on what I'm seeing when I'm locking in on just him, then that's definitely what you know you are seeing. So uh, you're right, it is it is coming from a different um, account on this. But just to finish up, because I know folks are aware of it, so it's uh, reportedly we're going to put some quotations here. Jackson Smith and Jigba is currently averaging 4.6 yards of separation on every route he's run so far this season. That's second best among all wide receivers in the NFL and fourth best in the entire league. So uh, currently on pace for 68 receptions, 400 yards. Um, but he's getting open. Uh, for instance, another play, Brendan, take it back to week one, the nine route that you throw to DK where Gino throws it 20 yards out of bounds, that very same play, you had a deep yep. crosser being run by Jackson Smith and he's buck naked wide open. I on that remember play. that. Yeah. Yeah. That was the guy. So, so there's been some film that could, could back this up. Is it a 4.6? Maybe not, but is he getting separation? Is he getting open and put? Yeah, yeah. He, he definitely is. And yeah, so, he, I, yeah, I saw that and was blown away because I'm pretty yeah. sure like even guys like Metcalf are only getting like two yards, maybe on average. So, yeah. I mean, that's crazy if that's true. And that tells you get him the ball more. Well, and I'd estimate too, though, Brendan, some of this is the slot impact. Um, and what I mean by that is I think that the slot guys, because sometimes the coverages can so open up wide you're naturally creating and given separation at times just by the cushion of the, of the, the coverage. Whereas a guy like Metcalf or Lockett are going to have guys closely aligned to them post snap more often than all the time, making it just generally a little bit harder, I think than a little bit, not tying like a huge way, but just a smidge on that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I want to believe it. I want to believe it, but I saw it and I was initially like that, that, I guess also when you're doing stuff around the line of scrimmage and you have defenses sometimes dropping way back away from you because you're in the flat and they're not necessarily going to pay a ton of attention to you, that also qualifies as you getting wide open. So I guess if you do the math, it can kind of add up. But I was I was surprised when I saw that. It's also, to your point, along those lines, this is sample size because it is just two games. And you have in this last game against Detroit – I'm I'm I can't remember if this is the case or not, but I believe you had some of the snaps reduced down from the Green Bay or from the from the Rams game because of the two and three tight end sets you were running to help out your tackles. So right. that's that is part of this too. Is it's it is extreme sample size, but it's at least good that it's that versus you know 0.5 yards of separation per route. You know, 65th in the NFL. One of those kind of things. Where you're like, hey, rookie struggling. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to find it on this one, Bill. <laughs> but uh, yeah. We'll have to we'll have to look at. I I don't know where you find those stats at. Those are one of those hard stats with these the yards per separation per route. You got to like. Uh, dig, I think dig. that's Amazon Next Gen Stats. I, Amazon okay. has a website. I can't remember what the URL is, but Amazon Next Gen Stats has a site with all that kind of weird stuff, like uh, quarterback, how long they take to throw it, um, how close a pass rusher got to the ball, um, how close this, you know, all that kind of funky stuff that is you know, probably all put in by an AI, like an AI, like watches every yeah. play and then puts it all into a machine, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. That UI sucks for them. I tried to navigate through to look through stuff and it was like very clunky and it looks spiffy, but it just doesn't have any kind of real good operation to it. You're, 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 you're having to hunt and pack to find the data you're looking for on it, but I'm just glad somebody's doing it. I love that analytic stuff. The more, the merrier, you know, right. the more, the better. It can't hurt to, to, to have that information. 
Um, so offensively, let's let's I guess look at this Bills defense. I know we're kind of targeting a little bit what we Panthers. did off Panthers. Sorry, I keep going. <laughs> um, Panthers defense, uh, a little ailing, Brendan, a little bit, a little bit in an ailing way. Uh, first off, down JC Horn, a top right. 10 first round pick who delivered for them when he's been on the field. He has had his share of injuries, but he's going to be out in this game. So DK and Tyler, the, the road gets a little easier for them because they don't have even, I think well, they have Stefan Gilmore there last year, I think. Isn't that who they had? Or was it? Uh, no, it wasn't, Gil, it wasn't Gilmore. No, Colts had Gilmore. Right. Uh, I can't remember who it was they Henderson, had. Henderson, I guess. Yeah, CJ Henderson. Uh, which one had the pick of on Gino? Because uh, Gino threw a couple picks in that game, and I think one of them was to JC. I think it was J.C. Horn who got it. Yeah. I always call him Joe Horn Jr. because I'm so used to these athletes naming their sons Jr. I know. So, mm-hmm. well, might, that might work out for you, though, because Joe Horn Jr. is in Colorado right now. So right. Maybe, maybe it all comes full circle and you're made right when you mention it. But, um, yeah, uh, you look at that secondary without him, it's Dante Jackson and C.J. Henderson. And I, I was a C.J. Henderson fan coming out of the draft, but he just really hasn't played well at all. He didn't yeah. work out in Jacksonville. Uh, if you watch that Monday night game, there were a couple of big plays he gave up. It, it, it just hasn't settled in at all. And um, then they got Jeremy Chin. He's a guy who's been there a while. Troy Hill, who I do like. He's a good uh, slot corner. Mm-hmm. He's been, uh, although getting older, I think he might be like 31, 32 now. He's up there a bit. Yeah. So without J.C. Horn out there, I definitely think like you watch that Saints game, you can see how these defensive backs have to play very conservatively very uh far back in order because they just don't have the talent that uh jc horn does so um that should be a big mismatch that should be one of the mismatches we have on this defense our receivers versus their secondary 100 percent um certainly not anything great in the secondary as far as uh jeremy chin's more of a physical strong safety box guy than he is really to me a um Coverage guy back there. Um, but they they seem to me too when the Saints like that that one guy that they've got, Shillelagh or whatever his name is, the uh outside receiver they'll bring in occasionally is their deep threat. The Saints, you know, he was able to take the top off when he came in there. Maybe a game two to monitor with DK. If you're looking for maybe the first game here where DK gets over the top deep, um, this may be the good game. Cause I think those your point on that and being safe, I don't think that they trust their speed on the outside as much in watching them against the yeah. Saints. I think that they know that yeah. they're a little bit slow footed. Yeah, um, one guy in my Discord pointed out that teams are still playing a ton of cover two against the Seahawks like they were mm. when Russ was here. Yeah, like Russ isn't here anymore, but teams are still doing a lot of cover two stuff. And if you look at the uh, numbers from PFF, Geno's the best quarterback in the league through two games in the intermediate area of the field, 10 mm. to 20 yards. And that's left, middle, and right. Like there's wow. no quadrant where he's not killing it in the intermediate area. Like short he's okay behind the line of scrimmage he's okay and deep so far he really hasn't done that much but intermediate he is the best quarterback in the league so i wonder if teams are ever going to come out of that and be like okay russ isn't here anymore we got to come up with a different way to play this because gino's chewing us up underneath it will be interesting what's what what i find fascinating within that numbers too brennan was the the whole thing i was hearing about from some of the advanced stats guy about the seahawks offense last year it was it was deep and short like it, it was effective, but it was effective going one of those two methods in the passing game. And there was really an absence last year of the intermediate passing attack in the Seahawks offense by the stats. So the fact that they lean to that now as a strength this year is very encouraging because it does show um, steps forward by the offense, number one. But then in number two tells me, Brennan, of 
once those defenses do adjust, you have the counter to their adjustment. And, and that's where we come back to this offense having true potential for dominance when it can really find its footing of what it is and its identity and how it's going to do that because you have those means to be able to attack by whatever way the defense starts to lean. They're going to lean deep, you go to intermediate. They go to intermediate, you can go deep or go short. You go short, you can press them deep. You've got these counters there in the passing game. Um, and it's wonderful to see, Brendan, but that's that's a cool stat because that was yeah. the thing that stood out from last year. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Uh, Gino is 11 for 11 on intermediate throws, which is 10 to 19 yards down the field. 164 yards, two touchdowns. PFF grade is 93.9. Yeah, that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. And it was a place that was missing last year. So it's it's very encouraging that that's that just tells me that Gino being so locked on it this year when it was such a weakness that they worked on it, they made it a point of emphasis, and they're finding the fix. The thing, the same thing with the nice thing with the running game. Things will come up. Do you look for the fix? Do you try to find the fix? And if you do, you get lauded for you. We're gonna have we'll celebrate it. We'll say, hey, great, you guys, you're you're doing and finding something because you don't want to have an offense just short or deep. You want to be able to utilize the intermediate territory. I do think the cover two stuff too, Brendan, is also an example of the fact that defenses are still very scared of the DK Tyler Lockett thing deep. And that they do not want to get beaten that way, and that they're very worried about it. And and so that's something that I think that we can continue to build on to, as that these that you can well DK is getting enough yards or he still puts that fear. Tyler still puts that fear. Oh, he's getting older. He's not as fast. They're putting enough of a fear to draw on those cover twos because I believe what that guy would be presenting there, Brendan, is that we're getting more cover twos than your average team at the at a, at a league league higher rate than most of just about anybody. Yeah, I, b- I believe that is the case as well. I believe that we are seeing a lot of that cover two stuff. There's still, it, again, it's like when Wilson was here and Wilson had the best deep ball in the league for a while, but was uh, atrocious at some of the short stuff or intermediate stuff. Mm-hmm. So they took away that stuff because they felt like, okay, we can make him a much less qu- a lesser quarterback if we take away the deep stuff. This year, we're kind of seeing they're taking away the deep stuff and Geno's just adapted to not throw very many deep stuff deep shots it's very true and it's something that i th- i saw in the detroit game where watching that all 22 stood out to me is that that's what you also see is you you're, it kind of threw me off a little bit with detroit at times because they were dropping to so much depth throughout the course of this game and we weren't really trying to attack it but they stayed consistently it's like the giants tonight against the niners where it just seemed to be this is our game plan going in <coughs> and then they're and we're not going to adjust on it throughout the course of the game that's our game plan and it's going to work or it's not um, because they kept going throughout the course of the game. Even that o- OT drive, I think part of why you were able to be so proficient in that OT drive by Gino is that he knew that the Lions were going to still be remaining in this thing that he had seen all game from them and wasn't changing. So uh, it's it speaks to the smarts of Gino. Go where they're weak. Go where they're not. Don't push into the teeth of the defense. That's there. There's no reason to do that. That's not how you play quarterback in the modern NFL. And um, that's where we got to attack this Panthers defense. Intermediate, man. Uh, you've also got them down... Their linebacker core is an interesting one when it's healthy with Luvu and who's who's an absolute monster as far as a as a blitzer goes. We yeah. gotta get a, we gotta get a hat on that guy when he blitzes. Um, but they are down Shaq Thompson, the former Husky. Right. Is gonna be out in this game. So you you could say, you know, their four most important defensive players are gonna be Derek Brown, Brian Burns, but then JC Horn and Shaq Thompson, I think you could say are their third and fourth most important defensive players on this Panthers defense, and they are out in this yeah. game. It's either Shaq Thompson or Luvu. I don't know who you'd say was better between those two, but yeah. one of those two guys for sure. Yeah, and Luvu's on the rise, so he could be starting to, ready to ascend over the spot of that. But 
Um, it does make hopefully a little bit of an easier ground for you to cover and getting uh, a little bit further in the run game today, having been one one less back. That's This Panther team is built a little bit from the front, in my opinion, to kind of back. I know they put a lot of corn. They did the the, the J.C. Horn corner pick and whatnot, but they've got so much in there with, with Burns and uh, Derek Brown in there. Um, they've been a good defense this year, Brendan, on that line. They've been yes. tough on that defensive line to start things. Yeah, that's that's where the problem in this game could stem from. Like uh, Detroit's defensive line is pretty good, but it's Aiden Hutchinson, and then there's a big drop off, right? Like uh, it, there's not much after that. This uh, Carolina team can bring a little bit more. They even got the old man Justin Houston. I I, I didn't know he was yeah. in Carolina this year. Uh, I like Shy Tuttle too. Actually, I've liked Shy Tuttle yeah. since he was at Washington. Me so too. they've got some stuff going on there. Derek Brown contract year, Brian Burns contract year, Gross Matos finally has arrived in the NFL. It looks like we were right about him. We just had to wait a couple of years on him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's solid though. Yeter's he's been good because he he solidifies a little bit more where they've not had that opposite Brian Burns in recent years, and he is yeah. a little bit the kid out of Penn State's finally starting to kind of grow into what we thought he would be when he when he was coming out. Um, right. Um, isn't Camus Grugier Hill a former Seahawk? He's their inside linebacker replacing Shaq Thompson. I feel like that guy used to be a Seahawk. I thought he was a Saint, former Saint. I thought. I feel like he's bounced around and he was on the Seahawks. Like he, I think we traded uh, KPL for him and then we never played him or something like that. That might be right. That might be right. He's definitely a journeyman type where he's been around. I think with a few different teams. Um, but he played good for them last week, filling in for Jack. I mean, he was out there, one of their higher graded defenders in that game coming, coming out of it. So, um, they didn't have a huge drop off, you know, with his performance, um, on that side and Justin Houston, man, the guy, the guys, the guys, the, the ageless one guys like, um, productive every single year, you know, he's still, still again, 30, well, he must be 38 years old or something now still out there, uh, bringing, bringing the pressure, bringing the energy. Uh, I, he showed up a couple times that Monday night game watching it. Like he was, he was kind of popping out there. So they've got the pass rush on the front end. They've got the guys they can rotate in. This is not going to get any easier on the defensive line. That's your, tr that's the toughest ground for you to cover. How did we do running the ball last year against them, Brennan? Uh, we had no running backs in that game. That oh, was the game where there was no K nine. There was no D Dallas. There was no Penny, of course, because he got hurt way earlier. We basically did not run the ball at all. In fact, let me uh, pull it up to be sure. But I think we had like 40 rushing yards that whole game. Tony Jones uh, Jr. game. Yeah, uh, that was uh, – we had Travis Homer. And to my recollection, Homer was playing injured because we had to have yeah. somebody. Yeah. And Gino almost led the team in rushing with 20 yards. Okay. Yeah. So we – So, Yeah. So that should take a step forward. It is still a good run stuffing unit overall, though. I, I will say it did it did look on some of the grades that some of these guys are doing a little bit more into leaning to their pass rush than their run stuffing. You know, like Yeeter, for instance, you look at his PFF grade and versus pass rush grade, you know, there is a bit of a difference there. You go to Brian Burns, he's bringing the 76 pass rush grade, but he's bringing the 51 run stuffing grade. So this is where this is nice to have the back health in a little bit of a better standpoint coming into this one, because maybe you don't have, you know, you, you can come after, you can go after those edges that want to really just get up the field. You can get them now a little bit more, you know, and you can attack into that, that want from those two guys to really just be pass rushers. And certainly Brian Burns, who's trying to earn his next contract. You have to think he's probably really trying to just pin the ears back and stack those sacks up because he's wanting to get paid the 25 million, you know? Okay. And, I mean, we've done a pretty good job of that so far through two games. Um, Gino's been sacked three times this year. <sighs> and 
Two of them came in garbage time against the Rams when there was really nothing going on except we had our backup tackles in there. And we had, um, you know, we knew, everyone knew we were going to pass, so it's easy to get sacks. And then you had the one ridiculous uh, Johnny football play um, last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we've done a pretty good job at mitigating the uh, risk there. So I'm kind of expecting the same thing. Agreed. Agreed. I, I think that you're going to be able to keep them off for the most part because you are going to be able to remain balanced. So that doesn't mean you just have to turn into pass Happyville like you did last year. I think uh, you can just keep them off balance enough with that. Give the chip blocks as you need to those guys because you know they're going to try to come full force. Um, and, and you should have some success. I think if you just remain balanced, stay within yourself and, and play the coverage. If you get the cover two looks, stay to the short and intermediate stuff. If that's what they're, they're going to give you, Gino, you've, you've proven to be very smart in your approach with that. Don't feel the need to overthink it in this one just because they have some vulnerabilities at cornerback. And again, just stay stay in that mindset you've been at, which is wherever they're leaning, hit them the other way. And uh, that's where I think they're going to definitely be leaning in a certain way in this game. And um, that's where Gino can definitely attack. And if they go to the blitzes with Luvu up the middle and they, and they put that vulnerability on the outside and you get single coverage with DK or Tyler or GSN, attack. You know, go after that. Don't, don't just take the check down. Try to make a tough throw in there at that point to a guy. Trust your guys to go make a play. Yeah, yeah. So I I feel okay about our offense against this defense, but we got to figure out who's actually playing in this game, and hopefully we get some clarity on that tomorrow. Like, Phil Haynes didn't practice today. I think Evan Brown's going to play, but he was on the injury report. Now Damian Lewis isn't practicing. It's uh, like, like I don't want to get too far ahead of myself when I don't even really know who's going to be playing for this team this week. It's true. Yeah, it's 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 not in the ideal shape right now, the offensive line. So, and that's if you lose too many bodies, you can definitely get to a non-functional state. Um, we'll see if that's you know where there is. I have to feel like Phil, Phil and Damian are gonna play how healthy they are. We'll see. Uh, you feel a little bit better about center because I think that Oluwatimi's puts us in okay hand. I don't think he's a huge drop off off of Brown, even as a rookie right now, if you have to call upon him. Um, but that could be a problem point for this game because that is a defensive line with talent and if you're running backups across the board that's a defense that can go hunt i mean hell they've only given up i think what 10 and 16 points or something like that they haven't given many points at all to start the start the year off so yeah they've had a pretty good start although they have given up some stuff on the ground i think they've given up almost 300 rushing yards across the two games so that thing you're saying about these guys hunting for sacks at the expense of the rushing defense might be correct it's the way it just kind of feels in watching them. I mean, it just, and especially last week against Carr, they were just trying to get up the field as as much as they could. And I think uh, you look at the Saints, they don't really have a running back. I think mean, they literally had Tony Jones, <laughs> was who they had a back this last yeah. week. So I, I don't know that they've been tested as far as as well by a guy like we're going to be able to bring with Walker and Charbonnet as a combination. So, you know, yeah, you got to penalize them. If they're getting up the field and then, you know, attack them for doing that and get after them and uh i think that they will i think we will this week it's last week the the um the lions did a lot of eight man boxes and then dropping into those cover two looks post snap and i don't know if we're going to get the same thing from the panthers this week but you get the seven man boxes where they're going to just try to trust their front seven drill those outside zone runs all day drill those outside zone runs all day with walker you know just attack with that and 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 test those edges out to see are they going to set the edge is Burns going to set the edge or is he just getting upfield? You know, same thing with the Eater Gross Mostos. But uh, yeah, it does. It's pretty stark the difference between their pass rush score, between their run defense score out the first two games. And it does indicate a team trying to just get after the quarterback first and foremost. Yeah. There shouldn't really be anything that most defenses in the NFL should be able to do to just take away what we do. We should have flexibility yeah. in all these areas because of the roster we put together combined with this 
play caller and this quarterback that can make all the throws. Like there really should never be a, a team we run into that we just go, well, I just don't know what we do. There are no unless answers. everybody gets hurt, but unless yeah. everyone gets hurt, of course. But assuming a reasonable amount of health, there shouldn't really be anything another team can throw at us that just completely shuts us down the way cover two used to take away or cover four, I think used to take away a lot of stuff. Agreed. You've, you've put this thing together in a way that's it's magnificent. Not many offenses do. I mean, you saw a giants team today that didn't have any answers to go deep in this game, any guys to throw to um, and press the routes up the field. They even, I mean, Jalen Hyatt didn't get like one touch in this game or one target um, supposed to, he was supposed to be that guy for them. And they don't have the quarterback willing to make those throws. And we put all of that stuff together where we've got the guys on the outside to do it, to, to legit challenge defenses, to put the fear and the heart of defenses deep. Brendan, we've got the tight ends that we can hit you short with. We've got a quarterback who is um, both willing to take the short routes to the running backs in the flats or use his legs if he needs to. Um, there, You can run the ball with a very good amount of proficiency as well. Walker has, I think, early on this season has shown himself to be, in my opinion, minimum a top 10 back in this league. Minimum. Yeah. And there were there were no holes to be had last week. There were not there wasn't some like he's doing too much dance and he turned this hole down for this. He got what was there and then extra plus on top of that. So I you, you set it up this way, Brendan, and we're in good enough health, even with the line where it is, like you say, we're still in good enough health to to go to this Panther defense, go out there on a good Panther defense with us at home and put 24 points up on the board on them, put 27 points up on the board on them. Um, we should do that against this defense, even as good as they have been this year down as they are a little bit at real key important positions, you know, and uh, that's, that's uh, what I'd love to see. I hope we can do it. Um, a couple of donations here before we get to where we think the scores will go in this game. Uh, Connor Oshwagler, thank you for the $5 donation. He says the 4.6 yards of separation is real and you can see the numbers on next generation. However, separation numbers are heavily dependent on cushion and route type. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a little little way to fudge the numbers, and we were, that's kind of what we were intimating with too about how, especially working out of the slot, you get a you, that definitely opens that up even more so a little bit. But your great point by you on the you, know, you stop at the line of scrimmage, just go wide, and the guy's dropping ten yards to depth. That's technically ten yards of separation, you know. Right. But uh, you know you haven't actually created the separation. Still, it's a very I think it's a it does it's an it is an indicator of a stat that he's doing the right thing, and he's. He just because he's had a little bit of a quiet start shouldn't mean anybody looking on him any sort of like, well, maybe he's just going to be an average. Slide. No, this kid's going to be good for us. It's going to yeah. be really good. He's going to help us win some games this year. No doubt about that in my mind. Yeah, hopefully at some point we can get the tackles back on the field and then he's going to be able to run free a little bit. Right now it's a little restrictive, right? Yeah, just a little bit right now. And so, yeah, you're right. Because of the two diet three Italians that you have to run at a high percent. That was the thing we thought they were going to dial back this year for Jackson, but you, you, you're not going to keep Jackson on the field to go out there and chip guys off the edge. That's not what you're going to want to ask your slot to do, but you will ask your tight ends to do that. And uh, these tackles need that. You know, they've done a good job, but we don't want to just put them on islands and expect them to just, you know, hold up, just make it happen. That's not realistic. Right. And so smart on the team to make that adjustment, but he'll find his way, Connor. He will. And uh, thanks. I'm glad to hear it is a real stat. It, uh, it certainly jumped out to me like it did to you, Brendan. You're like, whoa. Second in the NFL? Yeah. I <laughs> mean, 4.6 4. 4. 6 yards in the NFL is like butt naked, wide open. That is. That is. I mean, that's not – that's legitimate. That's not just a little separation. That's an insane amount of separation kind of. So, whew. Good to see. Thank you, though, Connor. Appreciate that donation. Uh, Jaden Senoria, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, is the run game going to get going this week, or is the Panthers D legit? Follow-up. How do you think our offensive line will hold up? 
I'll let you start out with this one. Well, Carolina's run defense hasn't been that good so far this year, but we still have Stone Forsyth out there. So I'm kind of feeling like the run game is still going to be a little stunted. I mean, Stone Forsyth, uh, he he fought heroically last week, but he's not a run blocker. Mm. And uh, honestly, Damian Lewis is starting to turn into a guy who's not a run blocker somehow. I know. <laughs> yeah. Phil Haynes, not really a run blocker. This This is mm. a pass blocking offensive line. The Panthers D is pretty legit. Again, it hasn't been great against the run so far, but overall it's done really well. Uh, how do you think our O-line will hold up? Uh, it's going to be a bigger challenge than Detroit posed, admittedly. But um, I think it'll be passable. Yeah, I, I think the same here, Jaden. I think it'll it's not going to be where we're we're looking at a non-functional offense because the offensive line just can't do anything. I think they're going to be ailing a little bit. We got the backups in place. I don't expect it to be a dominant crew either. And especially because you are going against the Panthers D, that its strength right now is on that defensive line. It's not linebacker, it ain't safety, it ain't cornerback, it's defensive line. And so you would think that that's going to directly to some degree or another impact impact your ability to run the ball. And Derek Brown is, you know, probably legit one of the better one tech nose tackles in this game at just purely stopping the run. He's not going to give you much as a pass rusher, but you put that guy inside, he can be immobile against double teams. He can get a little bit of penetration at times. Um, he's hard to deal with up there. And so that's probably not going to be this week, Jaden, even with, like Brent said, the struggles are there a little bit with the run game, but your offensive line isn't at full strength. So we don't get to quite take advantage of that Panthers weakness as it's kind of been raised up until this point i think we run the ball pretty proficiently today in this upcoming game but brandon would you not agree i think it's really what we do in passing in this game which will determine whether or not we really win i think that's most games honestly i, I know that we have some good running backs on this team i'm not saying we can't ever run the ball but to me this is a pass first team this is a team designed to win because their passing attack is better than other teams passing defenses Yes. And that's where I stand with it too. You'll try to run a little balance here, Jaden. It's not that they will always run a little bit, but I, this is just not quite the team with how they're set up. They've got weakness. In them. They're down their number one cornerback. Um, they're down. Jack Thompson's a pretty good coverage linebacker back there too. You know, you want to go into where they're weak and that's where they're weak right now too, on top of your weakness being offensive line and having a guy like stone who can hold up well in pass protection, but for the most part, but is not going to give you anything as far as a run blocker like uh, uh, like Brendan said. That's just not his his game, and it's not a surprise. You know, we knew there wouldn't be. So, probably going to have to wait, Jaden, until uh, after the bye, till we can get to a spot of wow, the run game is really going to go off. Like till we get to about the Cardinals game or so, um, before we can finally get to the spot of like feeling with a lot of confidence the run game can make carry a little bit of the day on this matchup this day. Uh, but I agree right. with you, Brendan. Most most games it is going to be the passing. Offense making it happen. Thank you, Jaden. I appreciate that donation. Feed me more Seahawks with the $2 donation. Thank you, Feed Me, for the double dono today. It says, thoughts on our first away jersey game in a long time? Um, I, I saw this. I guess it's the first time we've won the we wore the jerseys we wore in the Super Bowl since then or something mm. at home. I, um, I was a little bit confused by it but i guess there's some significance to the jerseys we're wearing for this game they're not uh jerseys we typically wear at home okay well we're on we're on the road against the giants no no this is at home are you sure well we're, we're playing the panthers at home yeah the panthers at home talk about yeah oh. giants oh okay hold on let me see if i can you know what i'm reading this quick. wrong no i'm reading this wrong first thoughts on our first away jersey i'm reading like new jersey and that okay 
Okay. Yeah. That's... Um, okay. I'm looking at the Seahawks Twitter. It says, for the first time, we'll be rocking white on Navy for this week's game. So I think that means the Panthers game. Okay. I didn't, I'm sorry. So I hadn't heard that. I was thinking he was meaning it like the, like in Jersey. I was thinking like Jersey in New Jersey. Uh, I, I got a little scramble on that one for some reason. Feed me. Sorry, man. Um, that's cool. I, I don't know what the reason would be. I mean, but it is 10th anniversary. That's it. Okay. Yeah. 10th anniversary. Guess. Yeah. I think, I think that's it. They're having the players back this week, mm-hmm. I think. So it's like the, I think the, this week is the celebration for the 10th. So that's cool. Yeah. I love the fact that they're honoring it. You should every 10 years. I love that the NFL does that with its teams across the sport that have won Super Bowl champions that you come back 10 years, you come back 20 years, you come back 30 years. You know, yes, you should. You should be continuing to celebrate these guys when they do that greatest achievement. And they should, you know, it's not to just get stuck in the past, but to revere the past and celebrate that past because of how hard it is to do it. Um, yeah. So I love the fact that they've done that 10-year thing. I, I, I think that that's just a great gesture um, by organizations in the sport. Cause a lot of cases, I think Brendan, when you get to 20, 30 years, it's the first time these guys have had that acknowledgement, uh, for that achievement for that city, like they brought in 10 years. And, um, so it's cool. It's cool yeah. that the team's doing that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Cardinals would as an organization. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they got to get something to celebrate first, of course. That's true. You get, you need a trophy in the case to go back and <laughs> celebrate it. Yeah. Um, what do, uh, how the special teams looking here for this Panther team? Do they got any, uh, um, anything? Dangerous? Well, they don't have Joey Sly anymore. I know that, but, um, yeah, I, I can't say too much about that. Let me take a look here real quick. Um, to my knowledge, there's anything nothing too know? remarkable about their special team so far. They haven't like faked a punt or anything like that. They haven't done a surprise onside kick, nothing like that. It's uh, okay. The kicker is Eddie Pinheiro. He's been around a minute. Yeah, he's that Giants. Do- he's the the Bears double doink guy, isn't he? He double mm. double doinked it back. I in think the he was the guy they brought in to replace the double doink oh. guy, and he wasn't that much better. He doinked too, I guess, huh? Yeah, mm. uh, Johnny Hecker's the punter. Uh, oh, okay. That guy's kind of a legend. Yeah, he's a legend. He's been around. A, he's been around a hot minute. So they're solid. Then they're solid as a kicker punter. I mean, they're not league best they're okay those guys are functional both of those yeah has got a pretty big leg for the most part i think mm-hmm. so and uh i guess that's about oh one one question i want to ask you do you think uh jason peters hits the field for us at all no i think he'll be your backup coming in this game he will wear i think he jerseys up and then he's on the sideline if there's any injury to happen but i think that the, the i think that the team really liked what they saw from those tackles last week and, and what they brought and Peters was to be brought in. If your guys were just looking like, I mean, that, that, the, that game is the Rams. Brendan was like, Holy, Whoa, wait, you guys can't even like snap in and snap out, even be functional on either side. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're coming out of the Rams game going, dear God. Um, but they, they turned things around in a major way this past week. And I think you get a little more confidence to be like, yeah, and, and, and can we, can we talk about this for a brief moment here? There's uh, one thing uh jake curhan had a higher pff grade for the rams game than he did the lions game can, can you explain that to me on any level sample size like he allowed according to pff four pressures in nine pass block snaps i think mm-hmm. and then allowed that many across like 44 pass block snaps in the lions game and they graded him better in the uh, I, I was just staring at that i stared at that earlier this week for like 10 minutes just trying to figure it out how they could come to that conclusion. And I, I came up with nothing. Yeah. I would just, I, I, whenever it comes to the sample size stuff with PFF, that's usually where my answer comes into on that is like, 
how many, you know, snaps do you have? What did you, I mean, says here LA, you know, I'm trying to get the, he says he has four snaps in the LA. Yeah. There's something's off with their numbers here because this isn't adding up. Um, but I, I think it's just that you get the small sample size of snaps and then it just, it, that bends it in a weird way that way versus playing a whole game where it seems like the more you game you play with PFF at times, the more open you are to having your score ding down versus having a set five plays. Let's say you play or set 10 plays you play and three of them were bad, but the, it just seems to be a little bit different for some reason. It really works in your favor sample size in the PFF game versus not. Um, right. and he probably wasn't very good in the run blocking game. I mean, that's the thing yeah. that didn't, he didn't show up particularly well for my eyes in that part, which was kind of weird because he's usually been pretty solid in that, but I thought right. he was pretty, I th he was one of our reasons we weren't running very well in this game. Right. That's true, but it still blew my mind. He was, he looked completely unplayable in that Rams game. Uh, he, that was the worst I've ever seen Jake Curhan play in that Rams game. And then for him to come up with that heroic effort against the lions and PFF said, meh. Same grade to both team games, basically. Yeah. I think, too, the other thing they'll probably do is PFF probably, like, if you're getting chip blocks, how does that factor into their grade? Like, if you Maybe. have half your blocks with a chip, do they, like, ding you for that? And they're like, you got help. Mm, you know? And, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, I I, I don't know. He, he played fine. He was good in that game, though. And, and he was absolutely better than we could have hoped in that game against the Lions, in my opinion. So, right. you know, that's one place where the eye test certainly tells me that. That's why as the PFF, you can't always rely on. We do and we, we don't have the film as much to lean back on, but it's where as much as we lean to try not to rely on it solely because there's times the eye test is going to tell you something a little bit different. You know? right. I mean, hell, the, the PFF score probably for JSN is pretty low, right? Like, he's probably yeah. like... Uh, yeah, a, it's actually, I think, the lowest grade for anybody on our offense except for maybe a couple offensive linemen. Right. And, but then you look at that and you go, that's another one where it's like, well, wait, this doesn't add up to me. He's been, he's been targeted 11 times. He's caught eight balls. He's he's generating 4.6 yards of separation per route. It's like, well, that doesn't add up. You know, something's, it's, one of the, it's, it's an ongoing thing with PFF and them getting their grading kind of completely on point. Uh, Ryan wrong, wrong you wrong you. I never pronounced your last name, right? I'm sorry about that, Ryan, but I pronounced your first name, right? I appreciate the, uh, $2 donation in the chat, man. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, Grandizer uh, mentions that there's a Panther podcast um, that we should reach out to. Um, I'm definitely down to on that for sure. So that's cool. They got that rolling. I'll, I'll check them out, Grandizer. Thank you for the suggestion on that, man. Yeah, I remember uh, 15 years ago, there were only a few people doing YouTube for sports stuff. Now every team has a bunch of guys. It's pretty cool. Yeah, hey, oh, it's great. And I, what I love about it too is I think this is really the more of the the frontier of where things go. You know, you're seeing a little bit of the depth of cable news and the news. I mean, I hear nothing. I don't know the last time I ever read a positive comment about somebody talking about ESPN or right. any of those kind of, you know, places where it's just like, you know, they're kind of getting looked at as this old archaic thing. And it's, mo it's moving into this direction, I think. And it, it is really cool to see. Right. Very cool to see. Um, so let's, we kind of set the stage here. Okay. We, we, we know, you know, defensively, uh, we want to get after this offensive line pass protection. Don't want to just let them run it down our throat like they did all last year. How many yards did you say Sam Darnold threw for last year? 120. 120. So we definitely don't want to allow a team to come into our house, beat us at home with a backup quarterback only being required to throw 120 yards for a second straight season. Let's not Colt McCoy this bitch. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's, let's hold be that back. hard. 
shouldn't be that hard. Let's let's try to avoid that if we can't here, right? Where the guy went from Giants where he beat you at home, bad loss, one of our uh, ugh, loss was ugly, then he came back the next year and beat you with the Cardinals. Now, don't let that quarterback do that to you here with Dalton going back to back again, a guy that's been three and one against you. Let's try some different strategies here. How is this game going to go, Brendan? Give give me, we've we've been 0-2 down the right. We're both, we're 0-4 collectively in our yeah. predictions to start. Well, so. I mean, this definitely isn't going to be a trap game, right? Let's no. just dispel that real quick because you lose week one and then in week two, you need overtime to win. So there's nothing going on here that should create a trap game. Like trap game is you've won eight games in a row. You're feeling amazing. You think you'll just show up and punch everybody in the mouth and it's over. And then you get beat like that happens. That happens. Yeah. But this is not that circumstance. So I don't want to hear anything about a trap game. This is not, this does not meet the criteria. No. So with that being said, I do think we're going to stop the run significantly better than we did last year. It'd be hard to be as bad as we were last year for most of that game. But um, Andy Dalton, I think he is kind of at the final cliff of his career. Like you look at Andy Dalton, very good quarterback at one point. He was in the MVP race one year. Then at some point you fall off the cliff and you're just another starting quarterback in this league. You go off another cliff, you're a decent backup, which is what he kind of is right now. And then there's that final cliff to where you turn into 2008 Brad Johnson, 2010 Brett Favre, where you just have nothing left. I think Josh he's McCown just, in that Eagle playoff game. Yeah. Uh, uh, these guys who just, they got no arm, no mobility. They're they're They can't make good decisions. They can't process fast enough to make up for their deficiencies uh, physically. I think Andy Dalton's just about at that point. So I think we can handle that pretty well. Uh, I am a little bit concerned about that Carolina defense, which is what we've already seen can hang tough, but I think we kind of just grind our way to enough points to win. So I'm going to go with 23 to 13. Oh, I like it. 23-13. You got a 10-point win on this one at home. Wow. That's some confidence right now. I don't know if it's going to feel like a dominant win or anything, but I think... No, I get what you're saying. You can get to that point on kind of just a... You just get come out to find your way at 10 points. I'm going to go with a little bit closer um, because I just do think that... Um, the team's going to do some soft stuff here and allow certain drives to happen by kind of letting things be made a little easy for Dalton at times, maybe not the whole game, but at times. So I think they do find their way to scoring some points on this defense, um, especially throwing the ball. I think our offense does carry the day to a degree. I'm going to put, I'm going to go 24 points is what they put up on the Panthers in this game. And I think that the Panthers are able to go uh, 18. So we'll go 24, 18, kind of a weird looking score, but I'm going to go with that as where I think they kick six field goals. Yeah, they just can't get it in. I don't know how yeah. they get to the 18, man. I, it'll yeah. be uh, they they go for two at one point, and they, they have a non go for two go for. But um, uh, something in that range. I think it's a four point five point win. I don't think we get into upper breaches of 20 points against this tough defense. Um, and I think both teams are going to do a good amount of leaning into the run enough to where the this is going to get drained quick, the clock, and it's not going to be one of those like there's 15 possessions, but like this last week against Detroit where it's all these possessions through the course of the game. It'll be. It'll probably be shrunk down a little bit and condensed as a football game because of that. But um, I, I agree like you do that this will be a bit of a grind. You're going to have to kind of find your way through a little bit on this. The line's going to be beat up to hell. They're going to have to kind of find their way. And that, that Carolina front's not going to let you get away with that. They're not going to like, you know, they're going to make every bit of it hard. But uh, Gino's just got to play smart out there in this game, Brendan. That's where I think he's I think he's locked a little back into that spot where he needs to be like he was last year um, from what we saw from last week where not a lot of room for error there. 
He had some issues. He had some problems that line that he had overcome. He did it with smart decision-making. He did it by getting the ball out of his hands quick with Waldron. He did it by creating times where he creates just a little space on routes by just a couple steps back, make that pass rush, take a couple extra steps to get to get DK and Tyler, that little extra time to break free. Um, just lean back more to that from Geno's standpoint of things. Be that be that guy like you were last week. I mean, it's easy for me to say he played a, a master class type session, so it's hard to be like that every week. I don't think we're going to need him to be that good this week, but just uh, he's going to have to carry that day, put those points up on the board, run just enough, run just enough against this Panther defense and come out the other end of it. So um, we'll see if me, and, uh, if me and Brendan can get off the schneid this week with our prediction. Um, and uh, it would be nice to see. I, I do like the way the schedule's setting up for us here, Brendan. This game, you're not getting Panthers at full strength. This looked like a lot tougher game to me. When we thought Bryce Young was maybe going to be one of the quarterbacks that'd be, okay, I didn't, I didn't think his health was going to hold up, but I did think he was going to play a better performance level. I think we thought we were going to get a better. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of interesting, right? Because Bryce Young is the kind of quarterback who might try to make something happen, try to force it when it's not there and turn the ball over. Like he yeah. he's in this phase of his career where he's going to do that. So I wonder how things would have played out with him because obviously you're gaining stuff, the mobility, the creativity, but you're definitely losing some stuff there. Well, it, 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 when, especially have the first two games, I would much rather have young right now. I would now, but in this off season, we were first reading the schedule and you're thinking, okay, you know, that Panther offense going against his last year only needed that 120 yards and you get a rookie in him and he's got that mobility he brings. And you're thinking, okay, we'll have the full allotment of their defense. We're facing like a JC Horn is a legit tough corner and Thompson, who's a real, real rugged linebacker out there. Um, you are getting a little bit lighter. In the next couple of weeks, the Seahawks team has a little bit of a lighter schedule, not only in the, the teams that they're going to play, but also in those teams not being at their near their full strength and where you're going to reach them, where they're having these players like we're seeing on this Panther defense where two of your top four defenders, well, they, two of your top five defenders, because you said Fruit Louvu maybe in there, are out. And it's going to be a bit like that next week when taking on the Giants. So hopefully the Hawks can make some noise here, Brendan. Schedule gets tough at the end. We got to make some noise right now if we're going to try to uh, be a team that wants to be continued to uh, contender throughout. You know, um, it's not necessary, but it would be nice to give yourself just that little bit of room as we go through this season. And that schedule gets really tough as we get mm -hmm. to the end of it. Yeah, that's uh, that has to be what this is all about. And you've even been given an opportunity to kind of atone for what you did in week one with some of these injuries coming down the pipe. So yeah. you, if you don't take advantage. Like, we could be a good team this year and go 0-4 in that stretch of Niners, Cowboys, Niners, Eagles. Like, 100%. we could be good. We we could do nothing really all that wrong and go 0-4. That's possible. So there's only one way around it. You got to prep for that possibility. It certainly is possible. And it's 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 in, it's no shade to the team if they do that. You could, you're at a pot where you're playing, like, at one point, I think it's three games in 15 days or something like that couple Thursday night games in there. It, it's all wonky in that four game stretch. Now is the time to make some, to make some room. Now's the time to go. And uh, I do think the team, like you say, is going to realize this. This is not a drop down game. It's not a, Oh, we got this. No chance. So that Ram game had to have woken this team up. Carol's indicated the players have indicated that did Bobby doing the players only meeting right out the gate after one game shows you the team understood the sense of urgency coming off that loss. And I think that the Lions win last week, part of what makes it so impressive is them seeming to have that realization and you seeing it on the field and the way they played, tangibly feeling how they're playing, how hard, much harder they're playing, how much more on it in their details they were last week versus week one. We'll see if we can keep Andy Dalton, that red rifle Brendan here from taking us down as he has a couple of times prior. Can we, can we put the 
What do, what do you put on the front? What they used to put on the guns? Remember, they put the, the tops on the yeah. guns, back the old school guns. You put the top on it, close it like it's a lens cap. I don't know. That was the oh. old school. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that was the I old don't know what they're called. But... I don't know what they're called. We gotta we gotta do that with the red rifle this week. We gotta find uh, the lens cap for the red rifle. Um, that might be all it takes to stop this guy where he is at in his career. Like Brennan said, he's a he's an old red red bearded dog at this point. You know, a lot more gray in, in that beard than red. So uh, let's go take him down this week. Let's go take this Panther team down this week. Let's get to two and one. Let's start to take care of the schedule early on and set the stage for our matchups down the road against those 49ers, Cowboys, Eagles, and say, hey, we can ride with you guys. We can roll with the big dogs on the block. Huh? As I sound to you, Brandon? I, I'm, I'm down for that. Sign me up for that. Let's Especially go. after the way this season started. If we can get to that point that quickly, then I'm, I'm feeling like something really good happened. Be very encouraging. Very encouraging if they could pull it off and it'd give you a lot more confidence going through this year for especially how we started. Folks, I appreciate you guys watching today. Do me a favor and hit that like button if you could. Sub on up if you're not already subbed up. We're definitely on the road here to try to keep this channel growing. Get over 15,000 is our goal this year and we're, we're headed right for it, looks like. Also, head on over there to Seahawks. Brendan, not Brandon, but Brendan Nelson over there on his side of things. We do this show twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays and we will continue to be doing that throughout the course of the year. So do get subbed up over on his side as well. I'd appreciate that. Thank you guys for all of the turnout. Well over uh, like 350 plus, 400, almost 400, I think at one point in here. So thank you for all the folks jumping in here for the pregame stream today. I uh, hope everybody's feeling a little bit better after that uh, opening week loss with the win we had this last week and feeling pretty encouraged about this team and, uh, and where they're going. Hope we got something good happening this week, folks. Hopefully we're ready to start making some noise. We will be back on Tuesday to chop this back up on a post-game discussion. And I sure hope I wouldn't have to remind you on a week like this as we're now fully into the road of this NFL season. Everybody's up. Everybody's amped up. We're tuned in. And I shouldn't have to let you know to keep your mind at the forefront on this Seattle Seahawks team. But you know what? We're going to do it anyway because that's just what we do here at the Hawks yeah. Nest. at Seahawks, Brendan Nelson. Somebody out there know. forgot. Someone out there There's forgot. always one guy. There's always one, right? There's always one out there. And if there's one, that's one too damn many. Everyone's got to be on the same page. Everybody's got their oar in the water and they're pulling in the same direction. So my fellow Seahawk compatriots, please do not ever, even though we're gone for four or five days, don't forget in that time period, get that game face on. If you're in that stadium, let's get the roar back up in there. Too silent lately, too quiet lately. I don't want you in there going, I paid $250 for a ticket. I don't have to be loud at all. You have to be loud. Your ancestors say so. They hearken you to do so. If you walk in that stadium, you let that Panther know, that team know, you let them know, you ain't winning this year. This is a new Seahawks team. This is a new season and we're about ready to make some noise. So don't you ever forget, go Hawks. Go Hawks.